One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. nine, nine. Are we on the air? BMX voice show. We made it. I don't know how. 33 hours that I'm never going to get back. I'm James Burfield. We're here with the uh, MX Vice show. And I'm here with the uh, MX Vice editor, Lewis Phillips. What's going on? Tired. Yep, you seem it. And I'm glad to see you actually made it back. Making it there was one thing. Making it back was another challenge that we didn't even think about. No. There was a point on on the return flight where... I, it, I had to do everything to keep it together. I had a lady what was dead next she, to me. Well, she did die on the flight. I think she did die. We, I mean, we don't actually know. I, I was the last person off a flight and she was still... Dead. Yeah. yeah. Like, eyes fully shut. Nothing. Yeah. I had Conway one side. I had a dead lady the other. I was in an economy and life sucked. You did have extra leg room. Like, let's, let's calm down on the economy bit. You were ish in economy. It was 40 pounds. It was hardly an... an I, was, I was in the middle of the middle... At the back. Yeah, but who were you sat with? I was sat next to Antipyrinin. And did we bond? Oh, did we bond? He was very excited. He was very excited. Especially when we started talking about the TM days, his European Championship, his results at Aguada. He was very excited when I brought up that he was third in time practice in Aguada in 2006. And who knew he had uh, 2,300 gyms in Finland? Yeah. I thought he had one of the 2,300 gyms. No, it was, he had 2,300 gyms in Finland. I know he owned a gym thing. But... Yeah, it's the fifth biggest franchise in, in Finland. Oh, he did actually own a franchise. Yeah, he oh. owned a franchise, yeah. I think it was called 24. Fit 24, I think. Something like that, yeah. But who knew? Sold it in who 2015. Knew? What a bit of insight to uh, open this podcast with. I know. Crazy. This is, we actually spent all of the money to go to Argentina purely to find out about Auntie's gym history. I tell you what, though, we picked up some uh, really, really good insights and information the weekend. My brain hurts. But that's what off-season events are good for. Like, everyone's hanging out a bit more. You can just roam freely. Everyone's exposed. Like, everyone just wants to talk. I think uh, one of the things, if, if you're a fan and you want to get a little bit closer to the riders and MXGP, you have to go to a flyaway because you can walk into a restaurant and literally half the paddock, um, all your favorite motocross riders and stars and heroes, are literally relaxed in a restaurant having fun. Same goes for the airport, everything. Obviously, it's expensive, but I always tell people to try and get to the remote ones. Like, it makes my job easier for a similar reason why it's enjoyable for fans. Like, access is just way more open. Like, Latvia, for instance. That's one of the reasons I like that, bringing us back to the uh, pilot question. Well, um, interestingly, let's, when, when we're talking about who, who, what, where, I mean, let's just say Barilock Airport, for example. Who is it, Barilock Airport? I think it's Barilosh. Really? Yeah, they didn't pronounce the... I don't think when you speak Spanish, you have the hard... Jesus, it only took 10 minutes not to fuck up. <laughs> oh, cool. um, this is definitely the MX Vice <laughs> podcast. <laughs> okay, uh, right. Let's try and... Anyway, Barilosh, Bariloche Airport. Barilosh Airport. We had Van Horbeek. We had Febre on crutches, crutches and a wheelchair. And a wheelchair. And a, and a uh, luggage trolley. And a luggage trolley. Um, we had 
uh, Ray Archer. We had Sanai. Sanai. We Rod had Youthstream. Roger Larson from Seven. Aaron Nixon from Monster. You had the whole of Youthstream. Lieber. Lieber. I'm missing some riders. KRT were there. Factory KTM were there. Just with time to kill and wanting to tell people stuff. Yeah. I th- I th- pretty much, I mean, that was quite impressive on the, on the way back with how many people we bumped into in, in the scene. That's like genuinely though, for a fan, or for us as a fan, it's, in, it's unreal. Oh, it's great. And everybody's approachable because they're not under pressure. It's just a shame that it costs so much for these people to get over there. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't recommend 33 hours traveling to anybody. Like some, like, I mean, I love motocross, but not that much. As far as flyaways go, Qatar was a little closer and a little more affordable. I'm guessing China might not be that expensive, so maybe hit that up. Yeah, but at least you can go to a flight direct. Speaking I mean, I don't know where you took us. I mean, we went to Germany. We were going in the opposite direction of where we we're supposed to go. Oh my God, how many times? I'm, I'm, how for many the next year? Times. Everyone had a connection. It just so happened that ours was in Germany. Ours was the opposite direction. Yeah, but Simpson was in Paris. What, Tommy was in Madrid? Yeah, but at least Paris is like an alignment to You need to, to let it go. We, you need to let it go or you're off the podcast, for fuck's sake. Now you're swearing. This is not good. I got told to stop swearing as well. <laughs> okay, is that your mum? No, that was just general feedback. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I actually did stop in episode one. What, swearing? Yeah. The pilot was quite bad, but I think I put that one down to nerves. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, anyway. So let's talk about our trip. Oh, you want to talk about the trip first? Yeah, I think okay. it's, if I think it's, for those who didn't who who don't know, we had to. I mean, our typical journey was what you want to run through it all. Yeah, travel to Heathrow, and then from Heathrow we went to Frankfurt. Yep, Frankfurt we went to Buenos Aires. Yep, and then we had a taxi drive from Buenos hour. Aires to Bariloche. Uh, no, that was to the Bariloche. AEP airport in Buenos Aires. Basically, there's three different airports in Buenos Aires, and you can't use the same one for both of your needs. So we went to three airports. No, there are three. We use two of them. Oh, it just all feels like a blur. And then after that, you go to the other Buenos Aires airport, you fly two hours down to the track, get your rental car, drive two hours, and 33, 33 hours later, you've made it to where you want to be. Or in James's case, really don't want to be. Yeah. Um, there was several, I'm not going to lie, there were several points within the trip that I nearly turned around. Um, but my co-workers decided to, that it'd be better if I stayed. And just an official update, everyone didn't think you were going to make it. You did make it, but you were an hour late. And we stood before check-in for an hour, wondering, for that hour, genuinely thought you weren't turning up, but did you, you did. did. Did you tell me it was 30 minutes just to make me feel better? Not make me feel bad, because I thought it was only 30 minutes. It was an hour. Oh, sorry about that. I didn't want to, it was early in a trip, I didn't want to like tread you down start, on that point. Start me off wrong. Um, yeah, so the fantastic place for those who haven't been to Argentina. Great country, really nice people. Um, and we met MX Justin, uh, who talks to us regularly on uh, Twitter. So that was really, really cool. Got to spend a, a bit of time with him. And uh, I learned quite, uh, quite a lot about the motocross uh, scene in Argentina. A little bit about politics as well, which is always good. Um, but yeah, just a shout out to you, MX Justin. Really good to meet you and, uh, and spend a little bit of time. So um, the track was, was breathtaking. It was your first time. Yeah, it was... You know, that, that actually made the trip worthwhile because the track is, is fantastic. Supposedly, the area was covered, a little bit of facts for you, uh, the area was covered in two meters of volcanic ash from Chile. Wow. Which is why we get the soil, what we do. Um, but just the backdrop, the, the trees, the mountains, you know, is, it was so, so cool. Um, it was something very different, something I've not, I'm not kind of experienced on the, on the MXGP 
uh, you know, kind of route so far. Just a quick, to wrap this one up, we said that going to Argentina was expensive, but there are ways you can do it quite cheaply per person. Like, if yeah, you get how, on it early... How cheap, how cheap are we talking? For a flight, yeah, I think you can get flights for like 500 quid each, which is cheap compared to what you can end up paying for this one. Well, Steve Dixon did beat that with Dixon Travel as £400. I think I heard of someone getting a direct flight to Buenos Aires on for 250 quid. Why, why can't we do I that? I knew you were going to say that. What is wrong with you? I you're definitely to to sacked Germany. from logistics. Well, you're definitely sacked from the podcast. Well, I think the podcast's better than your logistics. Cool story. Okay, yeah, carry on. So we're, it's around about £400 you can go to the GP. Yeah, so it is pot like, don't just rule it out because it's £3,000 a flight which I think that's kind of a common conception out there. Mm -hmm. But obviously it still costs a lot of money, but it might be worth looking into for some people. Hotels are quite cheap. We got an apartment for 300 pounds. Yeah, it's nice. I I slept on a sofa. I slept on the floor. (laughs) (laughs) So you can always go to a more luxurious option and spend another 100 pounds. but Get yourself a bed. Go crazy. You might want one after flying 33 hours. (laughs) Yeah. So um, what did you think of the track? Well, it's my third time there, so I guess my first impressions of like the wow factor's gone a little bit. Okay, has it changed much over the th- oh, over no. the three years? I feel like it needs to change, though. Okay, it's getting a bit. I just feel like it needs a little something to slow it down and give the riders more options. Well, that's interesting because every rider I spoke to the weekend just said how fast it was. I think, I think everyone appreciates how amazing it is, how good it is for a flyaway for a flyaway compared to other ones. So doesn't want to like slag it off too much but a lot of people don't really like racing it. I think it's one of those tracks that's amazing. Like, if you go there to ride on it for practice, it's amazing. To actually try and race on it, it's uh, not the best, maybe. But it's good enough for world championship level, and it definitely needs to stay on the calendar, which it's going to because uh, Ustream signed a two-year deal with the organizer, so we'll be going back. But is it that track, or is it a different track? Well, it's with the organizer. So the, the, organizer the deal is with go, the organizer. Uh, okay. So we're at Argentina for the next two years, but it might not be that track. No, I think it will. No, it will be a lot track. Uh, I think it's going to be something different. I heard that maybe they're going to get something which is um, in between the, the two-hour drive. But I've heard that every other year and it's never happened. Okay. So I think that we're just stuck at that track. Okay. Well, that's not a bad thing. No. Maybe if they can just make it a little no, bit more Because I even heard for this year that they were going to move the Argentine GP to Buenos Aires and no, nothing came of that. Okay. So I'm sure they, well, as with every country probably, I'm sure they've got their fingers in lots of pies and are looking at things. But ultimately, I think it's hard to beat the product that they've got in Argentina at the moment. Okay, another interesting thing which came out the weekend, which we kind of got the, the, the uh, in, inside knowledge on um, previous to it. We didn't announce it, but the PR did come out Monday, which is uh, Shanghai moving to the end of the year. We actually did announce it before the PR came out, but our podcast that we did at the track didn't record. <laughs> but had that podcast recorded, everyone would have found out a lot earlier. But yeah. yeah, Shanghai has been moved to September the 15th now, which makes it the penultimate round. A week later is Hong Kong, which makes sense looking at the calendar, because why would we fly to China twice in yeah. the space of a year? And uh, so that leaves a month, month and five days free in April, but we're hearing murmurings of maybe a GP date might change not only is it a uh, month and five day break but as the calendar stands at the moment italy rounds are back to back because trentino's round four and then mantova's round five which just seems a bit odd as well i really hope something changes though because i don't want a month off well the other thing as well is what about riders like Fabric? 
He's, what, do we know the extent of the ankle? He's having a checkup, like, as we record this. Okay. Well, so like a proper checkup in Belgium. Could, so could be bruised, it could be tendons, or it could be a fracture. We don't know that. But well, anyway. At the moment, it's fine. Okay. So um, for him, he's got a pretty intense week, uh, well, two weeks to get, recover for Matali. And then he's going to have three back-to-back GPs. So having, if it is uh, more serious than it currently is, then uh, having that month off would actually help people like him, Kevin Strybos, and so on. At that point, no, his season's already just screwed, isn't it? Like having that time to, it's not going to help him in the championship. So, well, the championship's done, but the performances for the for the rest of the ranks still True. still are what people are looking at. I'm sure if you try and present him with that silver lining, though, he will not be <laughs> he would not be willing to accept no, it. Not even if I could talk French. But yeah, the uh, the reason for China moving is apparently there's monsoon weather there, and it has been for four months. I checked the weather last night in Shanghai, and <laughs> it seems quite nice. <laughs> so I'm not really sure. Like I googled, maybe there's two. I googled like Shanghai storms and like all kinds of things, and I couldn't really find anything. But apparently, it's been really bad. Yeah. So maybe they're just trying to pull the wall over eyes. They've never heard of the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and what we also know is uh, Shanghai is going to be kind of in like I don't know if it's going to be on a beach but it's going to be kind of close to a beach like in a seaside resort really we can take some deck chairs we can kind of just I don't think it's going to be on the beach but it's meant to be like quite close I guess uh, Russia's similar to that like it's close to the ocean so I guess it's going to be okay and like that's obviously not a beach well I fully expected going to Argentina and have some time to actually see the country but most of my travel spent with a 24MX bag uh, in my face (laughs) while we tried to uh, get 10 bags and five people in a four-door car because supposedly this was another one of my issues. You couldn't you couldn't actually get a pickup or a or a van from a rental company. No, the cars were like I'm not I'm not very good with cars, so I can't offer an explanation. But as far as rental cars go, the rental cars you get in Argentina are not on a level that you get anywhere else in the world. No, it was very different. There's a lot of like uh, what would you call it, like uh, Vauxhall courses as rental well, cars. I'm sure our car was kind of secondhand as well. We had it the, didn't seem like a, a newish car. We had the like top end car trying to fit everyone in, and it still didn't work. Didn't we have duct tape around a bumper? We also could not get insurance to cover it not being stolen. <laughs> like they literally refused to cover it. <laughs> no if it was stolen. Gonna, no one was going to steal it. The w- rental car woman did try and tell me that it was unlikely that it would get stolen. Uh, if you've ever gone on the internet, you've seen the, the video of, of fifteen guys trying to get into a mini. That was pretty much what we tried to do with with. Uh, what was it, five 24MX style travel suitcases yeah, on like wheels. Big kit bags, basically. And four pellies and five people. Yeah. It was uh, not an experience I want to go through again. Another thing to uh, think about with Shanghai moving is September is now the most intense month in the history of motocross. Because we're going from Turkey, the following weekend we're in Shanghai, the following weekend we're at Hong Kong, and then the following weekend is the nations at Assen. Like, I don't even, I can't even, like, for me, that is going to be, like, an insane month. So if I'm a rider who's doing the Nations as well, then that, I can't even imagine the stress and the, just how over it they must be by the time that the checkered flag goes at the Nations. Can you imagine the cost for the teams, though? I mean... No, but it's better but, now. Yeah, but if you look at, uh, I think Sweden's August the 25th. Yeah, they've so got there's a, a weekend off between Sweden and Turkey. Yeah, and they've got to drive their trucks from Sweden down to Turkey. Like, can they even do that? Can they even do that in like, what, five days, six days? Is that not a little more convenient than it being like from yeah. fr- Wait, no, because we just said there's a weekend off between Sweden and Turkey. 
Yeah, but they leave they leave Sweden on the maybe Sunday night, probably be Monday. Yeah. Okay, and then they have to be set up at Thursday. Yeah. At a GP in Turkey. But you said in like five days. Oh, well, there's so- a weekend off. Okay, so that's like twelve days. Okay. That's a bit. That's a bit better. Yeah, I'm not sure what. I feel like you. Uh, it's just I feel a like long you've way. got. An, I feel like you've got an adamant point here, and I'm not sure what it is at all. Uh, I think I've got an adamant point, but I, I've just actually yeah. realised. Uh, there's it's, a weekend off. It's fine. It's weekend off. It's yeah. fine. They're probably okay. even going to go back to Europe and then back to Turkey. It's wow. fine. But the cost. It's crazy. Yeah. How did these guys do it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you you lost me at trying to tell me there wasn't a weekend off between <laughs> Sweden and Turkey. To be honest, like all your points now, yeah. I'm just a bit shrug my shoulders. Well, this is why we need Rob. Uh, who sat in the sat in the editing chair? I would like to thank you for uh, last week as well, Rob. We didn't actually give you a shout out, but maybe you could just edit the last two minutes of me making another. Photo. But yeah, September's going to be intense. Shanghai's moved. Yep. We've heard that YouthStream are trying to fill the gap in April with a pre-existing GP. Although I wouldn't rule out them adding a twentieth round as well, seeing as they did because of Bulgaria. Maybe a twenty-first. Well, well, they added Bulgaria as round twenty in March last year. So why not add another 20th round in March this year? Obviously, the issue being it's a lot closer. Please, like, please don't do Bulgaria. The issue being that, obviously, if I add an, a new round, teams have only got a month to kind of plan for it or plan budgets, and the organizer would only have a month to make it happen. Maybe uh, another Italian round. I think we've got enough of those. How many have we got? Three. Okay. And two back-to-back now, which just seems weird, but yeah. That month break needs to go, and fingers crossed they find something. But I just had a quick look at the calendar to see like what they could drag mm-hmm. to fill that gap. And every other GP is kind of like set in its time of year. Like you always have France in June, like Latvia's in June, and I wondered if maybe they could bring that forward. But then that's never been earlier than the first weekend in May. So I'm not sure what way they're going to go with it. But I feel like they have to. They have to bridge that gap. They have to. It's like another off season. I mean, a month's a long time. Like, what the hell are we going to talk about on this podcast for a month? Not traveling. Okay, we're done with that. Well, we're not traveling, so... Build a bridge, get over it. Maybe next week. Um, so let's go ahead and look at some of the results from the weekend. Please. Okay. Um, Saturday was quite exciting because we got to see riders who had moved up into MXGP. We got to see new kits, new bikes, uh, the whole lot. And... Um, also, behind the scenes, we get to see how these riders are gelling with, or not so well, gelling with their team managers and, and everything else. So there's lots and lots of different insights from the weekend. Um, but Saturday looked, you know, there were some really exciting points with like, uh, you know, surprise was Tonus coming back um, from however long you said last week. It was a year, over a year. Uh, his previous race or high-level race was Matterly Designations. So okay. 18 months. 18 months. And literally came out swinging in, um, in, in uh, warm-up and uh, time practice. Uh, sorry, free practice. So um, that was really interesting to see. And uh, also we got a little bit of insight um, into Tom Biao. I feel like Saturday just kind of built me up for something that didn't materialize. Like going in, I was fully expecting it to be the Caroli and Prado show. And I was quite like just desperate for something to happen, like desperate. And then we got that in qualifying, so I was quite pumped. Like, oh, there's a few surprises, like something's going to happen. And then obviously normality was resumed on a Sunday. But uh, qualifying was definitely a nice opening to the season and gave us what we wanted, even though we didn't quite get it on a Sunday. 
One of the uh, interesting things from the weekend was how many people and, you know, understanding um, Spanish to English translation were saying, who the hell's 43? Oh, I thought you meant you actually had a Spanish <laughs> person come up to you and ask you that. No, that is my age. Oh. But um, no, they're ask, asking like, like, who is this 43? Which was Mitch Evans. I mean, what a ride. I feel like, we, I think we said it in a preview though, like, the data was there that suggested we should have expected something. Always good at the nations, good at every preseason race in hard pack, on sand, whatever it was. So like, it isn't that big a surprise, or it is a surprise, but it almost shouldn't be. But then it's even a surprise him being on like not a full factory team and he's straight away mixing it up with the factory boys. Like out of the gate, every single lap, overall results. Like there wasn't, there really wasn't a fault in him or the program that 114 have put together. So the, uh, I mean, you, you worked on a podcast with him uh, the weekend. I, I, I sat him down and had a, a, real, a real good chat as well. Here's uh, what he had to say. The MX5 show. It's uh, James Burfield here at the uh, MXGP of Argentina. We're here today with uh, Mitch Evans, who's just recorded a fantastic result here on uh, quite a fast track. Uh, So, Mitch, today went uh, very, very well. Yeah, it was uh, really good. Um, I couldn't be any happier with how the day went. Got two good starts and uh, put two solid motos together and kept it on two wheels and ended up on the podium so i'm pretty stoked so uh, for all the people who uh are probably just tuning in and in and thinking uh mitch evans where, where was that? mitch evans last <laughs> where was he last year yeah. so um tell us a little bit about the last couple of years what have you been up to uh yeah well um my first uh experience on scene like this was 2016 at the mx on in italy and um i was uh 17 year old uh, 16 sorry and uh, still going to school um, a little bit overweight and uh, <laughs> not training much and uh, never had raced a 30 minute moto before so um, I struggled big time there and uh, went home from that and uh, started putting a plan together to train um, properly and I graduated from high school and uh, deferred my uni offer and um, started training full-time and uh, finished uh, third in Australia in the um, MX2 championship um, in my rookie season and then I moved to the 450 class um, the year after 2018 because uh, I wanted to make the MX on team and um, because I'm kind of a bit bigger guy um, I was struggling on the 250 and um, and I actually recorded the same results at my first MX on race in Australia, uh, MX one race in Australia, five three for third overall. So, um, and then uh, ended up making the MX on team and uh, did quite well there. Went ten fourteen and uh, scored me this ride here for um, for the GPs. So, um, and I moved to France in the in early December and been training in the winter. It's been different, but. Um, and here we are in Argentina and 5-3 for third overall, so pretty stoked. This is a, a crazy couple of years. I mean, this is kind of what dreams are made of in, in a way. I mean, you've gone from, like you say, you kind of came from, uh, from, from the outside, you know, representing Austra- Australia, but then knowing that you needed to, to, like you say, lose some weight, train properly, and all of a sudden it's just like a massive blur from there to going, you know, on a podium in Argentina. Yeah, um, to be honest, at the time I probably, like you said, I dreamt about doing it, but um, to 
to think that it would actually come off. I probably didn't really believe it that much myself, but um, when I was standing on the podium, I looked out to the crowd and they were cheering and it, it reminded me of the moment um, in Italy, um, MX on 2016, when, when I said to myself, this is where I want to be. So um, three years later to see it come off, it was a pretty surreal moment and um, I took it in as best as I could. So. Um, but got to keep a head on our shoulders because uh, it's a long season and I haven't raced that much ever before in my life. So, but I'm looking forward to the challenge. That's cool. So you mentioned that last year you went, went out to a 450. Yep. yep. Um, and now obviously you're dropping down to 250. What, what's been the, have you noticed a, a big change in, in doing that for yourself? Honestly, I think it, it helped me because uh, all year on the 450, I sort of struggled with my fitness and strength and um, I sort of, was starting to get on top of it towards the end and um but now going back to the 250 i find i can ride the thing so much harder and i don't get as tired as easy um mind you though i've been working with willie linden and um been putting a good good uh training together and uh, we've seen big improvements um already so uh, i think that's been a big help but um, yeah, the biggest difference is just being able to ride it that much harder, but um, struggling on the starts. So, um, but we've, I've been working with Eric Sorby, and he's been helping me a lot with the starts, and it, it showed this weekend. So I got two great starts. So it's uh, it's coming together. That's cool. I guess the the metal mesh is something a little bit different to what you're used to. Yeah, um, the first time starting on that was in Redbud um, MX on. So. And then other than that, we had never done a start on it. So it's something different. Um, I think I like it. It's, it keeps it more consistent and it, it doesn't make qualifying as, as important, I believe, um, which is a good and a bad thing. But um, for me, it's a good thing because Saturday I struggled. <laughs> <laughs> so going back to, um, you know, Australia, and you said that you've never raced so much, uh, you know, up till now. Yeah. It, it, is that because the Australian series was, was it six to eight rounds in over here you can have 19 rounds plus the, maybe the French championship yeah well um, in Australia it's uh, it's sort of over six months and um, it sort of starts in April and then finishes in uh, in August and September and uh, it's just uh, uh, 10 rounds but on eight tracks so um, we don't ride that much and you sort of do one weekend have two weeks off another weekend and then have three weeks off and then another race and then you have like six week breaks so it's like you just get started and then you got to have a big break again but um the the racing in australia obviously isn't as big so um it, it costs more for teams and the budget isn't as big so um but yes yeah, so i've I've almost done more races this year already than I have ever before in one year. So um, the four pre-season races and then this race and then I'll be doing the French Championship and then I just want to race to be honest because um, I think a lot of people um, say that the the reason why people in Europe are so good is because of the tracks that they race on and that's why Australia sort of struggle. but. Um, I believe it's because they race every weekend and racing is so much different to just practicing and practicing so <laughs> so um, you've got to France and yep. uh, 
how was the uh, language barrier first? Yeah, um, I tried learning as much as I could um, before I got there, but um, I sort of just got the basics. And uh, Hell Mitch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but every, whenever I'd say that to someone, no one would actually like respond to it. No, it's the accent. Uh, my accent as well. If I say Jemapel, my Jemapel, yeah, James is completely different. Yeah, but honestly, I've already found where you are in France that the accent's different there as well. So okay. it's uh, yeah, it's tough. But um, the more that I, I learn, it, the more that it, it's coming pretty easy. Um, actually, my practice bike mechanic doesn't speak English, so that's fun. So, but. It's been good because it's teaching me to speak French with him. So whereas everyone else in the team speaks really good English, so I haven't actually had to try and speak French. But um, yeah, with my practice bike mechanic, it's actually been teaching me. It sounds like you're pretty well rounded because um, how old are you? Nineteen. Twenty. Twenty. So twenty, just coming over to uh, Europe, and you yep. probably picked uh, a hard language to learn. Yeah. Straight into France. I mean, at least it's not England with the weather, because uh, at least it saves you a bit of rain, buddy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> actually, I've been told that um, I'm pretty lucky with where I live. The weather's really good there. Um, mind you, the first week I got there, it was cold and raining the whole week, and I thought, here we go, we're in for a long winter. But um, the last, the last three weeks has been absolutely unreal so that's cool yeah i can't complain have you managed to get any surfing in yet or do you not surf i've never actually surfed no because way. where i where <laughs> i live in australia there's no waves oh, and wow. crocodiles on the beach so oh yeah. Uh, yeah probably skip that one yeah so. <laughs> but yeah i in the summertime i'm gonna give it a go yeah yeah that's cool so um obviously you've got some uh you got matty basin coming up which is a, a great track in england yep. um very jumpy, a little bit technical, quite fast. Um, are those the sort of tracks you're looking forward to? Um, more, not so much the fast part because today, this weekend was pretty scary. Um, yep. But yeah, the more technical, deep ruts, um, even the big jumps are a little bit scary. We don't have that many big jumps in Australia. So, um, but yeah, the technical and, and rough tracks is what, is what I'm pretty good at. So I'm looking forward to them. And have you um, managed to ride anything like Valkensbard or Lommel yet? No, not yet. Um, the plan is we'll race uh, UK and then um, the two the week before Valkensbard and the week after we'll stay in Belgium and, and ride Lommel for the first time. So that's going to be interesting. Good luck with that one. Yeah, thank you. I think I'm going to need it <laughs> from what everyone's told me. Yeah, it's a baptism of fire. I think that's the best way of uh, yeah. describing Lommel. Yeah. But um, no, it's just... You know, it's, it's, you've come in like a, a bit of a breath of fresh air into MX2, and it's really good to see. Um, you know, I've seen all the uh, the interaction, engagement online, and everybody's like, Who, "Who's this Mitch Evans?" And uh, by the end of the day, they're like, "Yeah, Mitch Evans is the real deal." Yeah. So uh, obviously, uh, like you said at the start of the podcast, keep your head on your shoulders. Yeah. And is it just a case of taking it week by week? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, going back to what you said about the social media, it's probably a good thing that I don't have Wi-Fi or internet here at the track. So I was able to keep my head on my shoulders all day. So, um, But yeah, it's going to be tough when I get Wi-Fi tonight to, to calm down. But yeah, honestly, it's just been taking it day by day, um, trying to be 1% better each day and, and having fun with it, to be honest, because I've been training by myself and some days... Uh, I get lonely and I wake up and I'm like, oh, I don't want to go, but 
and then I think to myself, I've I've got this opportunity. Make every every the the best out of it that I can. So, um, but yeah, like you said, um, honestly, my biggest goal is to just finish every race this year and be healthy all year. That's good. That's a, that's a great plan. And I think you're going to win a lot of a uh, lot of friends and fans this year with uh, obviously the attitude you have in in the outlook as well. So. Um, Good luck for the rest of the year, buddy. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me on. No problem. So, Lewis, um, what things did you learn from him or about him? I learned that he's finding it much harder living in France when he is adjusting to MX2. He said the weekends were the easy bit, okay. which isn't exactly shocking. No, I mean, uh, you know, I, he said the same sort of thing to me where even his practice mechanic speaks French. He doesn't speak any English. So he's, he's actually uh, learning a little bit of, French at the moment to try and communicate as well. Um, I think he's quite, you know, on his own. So I think he's kind of like not lonely over there, but it must be very difficult coming from Australia to to France. But one thing he did say was the tracks around France are amazing. That there's literally, I think around Team One One Four, I think they've probably got about access to about fifteen different tracks, which which shows you the scope within France of motocross, which uh, you know I thought was quite a good highlight it's an interesting one as well because no teams are really based down there but i know last year vassen when he was on 114 he kind of relocated to the south of france or wherever they are and it's kind of a completely different it goes against the rule book of if you're running a team you have to be in lomo and you have to be in the sand every day so it'll be interesting actually to see how that impacts him when he gets to volkenswad or lomo but then i presume they're going to do adequate testing in that part of the world yeah but it's just a bit different and it's diff- especially different for someone who's new to the series like you bring Vassen or hunter lawrence in and obviously they know what they're doing in the sand whereas i can almost confirm that mitch evans probably does not know how to handle lommel yeah i spoke to livy and they, they do have two sand tracks uh which are quite close for them to access so they will be spending a bit of time in the sand but nothing's going to be like lommel I think everybody out there understands that nothing is quite like lommel. No, i think, have every, to I think everyone has beaten that drum to death <laughs> at this point like yeah Lomo is its own yeah. So for those who don't know Mitch Evans, so last year, he's been in Motocross of Nations for the last couple of years. 2016 was his first year, so Majora. Yep. I, think, I can't remember who was injured, but he was drafted in quite late. Yep. And everyone was like, who the hell is this really, really young kid on yep. a 450? I think he was as well. Cool. And uh, one of the interesting things he said to me is that uh, when, he, when he did do the, uh, the Motocross of Nations, he was a little bit overweight, a little underprepared. One of the most interesting things he said to me was that... Uh, he was the most like nerve like obviously it was his first MX2 race there's a lot of expectations he's never been to Argentina like a lot going on the thing that made him the most nervous was being stood on a podium because he had absolutely no idea how it worked where he was meant to be or what he was supposed to do so that was like he said actually genuinely like sounded genuine when he was trying to explain just how nervous he was stood on the box that's cool so uh, another thing as well as last year if people don't know he was on a 450 yeah so and that's where he kind of made his name for himself at the nations on a 450 because he's quite a big, big kid. Yeah, tall. It's quite skinny. Yeah, but he's definitely tall. At twenty years old, and it's interesting because uh, I'm sure that nation's ride on the KTM is kind of staying true in everyone's minds. So he could really map himself out a nice career here that could last ten years. I wonder. Uh, I wonder how Honda are, or what they're thinking after that performance, because surely they've got a bit of a diamond uh, or so many potential who can not only roll for a couple of years in MX2, possibly do some really, really good damage. I mean, that's race one, uh, sort of round one, but also for the future on a, on a 450. If my memory serves me right, and I think Vlandering's moving up this year, 
or the end of this year. So I'm going to call it now Mitch Evans on a HRC 250 in 2020. Okay. I mean, if it continues like this, it will happen, right? Yeah. Like, surely. Why not? Why not? Why not? So, uh, so I'm not sure if we're supposed to be talking about surprises. We're kind of winging it today. We're both very tired. Uh, how's your agenda going? Have you got an agenda? Agenda for the podcast? Yeah. I know what I need to say. Okay. I'm cool. just hoping you do. I have no idea. I'm just going along with it. I'm here for the ride. Uh, interesting thing about Mitch Evans is uh, one thing he told me that he really, sh- not struggled with, but really wants to work on is uh, the rear shock on a bike. Apparently, it was a, like they'd been testing it a lot before the race and run out of time or something. But that's one thing that he's really going to work on when he gets back to, or now that he's back in Europe. Yeah, I mean, that's what I like about the team as well. Uh, Olivia said to me, she said, we're, we're 100%. We're not, we're not 100%. We're, we're probably 50. There's still a lot more work, what we need to do. There's still a lot more testing that we want to do. I think uh, everybody kind of thinks that you, you get to round one and everything's done and dusted. It's, it's not. It's, it's still, people are still kind of, kind of preparing, aren't they, for the year? It was the same for everyone. Like With there being a three-week uh, gap before um, Massively Basin, a lot of people kind of went there with a base, knowing too well that there's work to be done. And by the time that Matterley comes around, they should be in a much better place. Like Paulin said, they were, Paulin in his typical secretive self told me that they are struggling with something, refused to tell me what, but they were struggling with something in preseason testing and just ran out of time, like when the bike had to go in the crate. So, like, dealt with it in Argentina. But supposedly he is uh, eager to fix that as soon as he gets back in Europe, whatever that may be. Cool. Um, so this weekend, we've seen kind of, you know, Mitch Evans. Uh, I mean, one of the standout riders for me was Tom Vial. Um, to be, was it eighth or ninth last year, you said, in the championship EMX 250? Uh, eighth with two motor wins. Okay. Um, but to go from that to, he looked good. When he, when he hole-shotted and he, he, he was in second for a few laps. And he stayed there. He, he didn't look out of place. You could tell that the intensity was probably a lot different to um, what he had experienced before. But I, I was really surprised about how well he did. It's just that classic thing, though, isn't it? Like, if he's going to get starts like that, then his progress is going to be on a higher rate than someone else in his position who's starting 20th each week. Like, he finished 7th overall. I have no doubt in my mind that if he'd started 15th in each moto, he would have been 13th overall or something. So, like, we are going to probably see these little flashes of him that we otherwise wouldn't see just because he has a chance to show what he can do with a clear track without people trying to slam him in every corner and having to deal with traffic and all of that. But then that is the best place for him to learn because if he keeps doing that, he'll pick up on the pace at the front, figure out what lines these guys are using and just get dragged along. Like I do, I'm much more of a believer now than I was going into the weekend just because he seemed to pick things up quite quickly. I mean, I think we were doing a, I think, was it Conway out on a track walk or were you walking around? And I think you guys picked up on something that Smets was walking around with him and uh, they were gesturing to some of the jumps and it looked like Smets was reassuring him that he could do this and he could triple here and, and double there. I thought that was quite interesting as well, that he's kind of, he's got that experienced person behind him, but also maybe he hasn't quite got the confidence at that level. I'm sure KTM are like fully molding him. Like this is kind of a new situation for them because the riders they've molded in the past, like Prado, have already been well on their way to achieving world titles and that. Whereas Vial is kind of not like had he not been picked up by Red Bull KTM, I don't know what direction his career would have gone. 
So they're really trying to mould, I don't want to say something out of nothing because that sounds terrible, but they're, they're moulding something out of a rider who isn't on the level of his predecessors in that team. Okay, like the person like sort of Geyser was coming yeah, like, through, wasn't well, he? Coming previously, through. they've worked with riders who already have the ingredients in place to be a world champion. Yeah. Like, Red Bull KGM didn't make Prada a world champion. We all knew that was going to happen eventually. Yeah. It seems like they may be able to make Vial a world champion. That's how much of a believer I am after the weekend. Wow. But I don't think anyone would be saying that had he not been picked up by that team. But it just goes to show what they can do beneath that tent. Uh, do, you, do you think as well, I mean, I don't know if you spoke to the riders weekend, but you know, the early protagonists in uh, MX2, people like Vlanderum, people like Watson, Starry Muse, uh, Olsen, do you think they, and Jacoby, do, do you think they expected uh, Tom Viao to be that good? Do you think they expected Mitch Evans to, to come in and do as well as, you know, he did the weekend? Or do you think they're like, wow, now we've got another two people to contend with? I'm sure they didn't expect it. In the same way that, like, Prado probably didn't expect Watson to be giving him a run for his money last year at points, or Vlandering even. Like, there's always going to be guys like that. But one thing that, uh, an interesting comparison to make is Viao and Evans. Because Vial was great. Like, it was his first time, first MX2 race, first time in Argentina, new team and everything, and he finished seventh. That's amazing. Evans was in exactly the same situation, but not on a factory bike, with less support than Vial has at Red Bull KTM, and was significantly better. So what does that... And if Evans is only 20, could KTM have not signed him with a three-year deal, which would have given them time to mould a rider? Like, if we put Evans on a similar pecking order to Vial and compare the two, then that just makes Evans seem even more incredible. We're, we're going for top trumps now, aren't we? If you want. <laughs> um, I mean, a lot of people probably maybe have figured out through social media, but uh, if people are expecting uh, Barry and Sinai to have been up there the weekend, then it, they may not have had this information, but we found out that he was suffering from the Epstein-Barr uh, virus uh, from, I think it was back in December. Yeah, mid-December he was diagnosed. And he's still recovering from that. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people are aware about it. It's, it's kind of an energy-sapping uh, you know, virus. Uh, it takes a while to get over. But it looks like it came back in abundance the weekend because of all the traveling he'd done and the energy that sort of took from flights and which we we know we're not riders but um it was oh, tiring. You felt it didn't you oh, I, I, yeah I, let me tell you yeah from what i've heard from what it sounds like it sounds like he is like officially over epstein bar okay but obviously in that period after it it's going to take a while to build yourself back up and actually get some energy again and get that fire i guess that you need to be able to go to the gym every day and do motos every day and it sounds like he didn't really do any motos before argentina at he, all he couldn't he couldn't. Uh, uh, speaking to Steve, and Steve said, you know, I don't even think they, they managed one forty minute motor at, at all. The like, fact that you managed to move forward in the first motor to 12th, which really doesn't seem like anything to shout about then. Like if you take that into consideration. Oh, that's huge. Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah. They like uh, started outside the top 20 and moved forward the entire time. It isn't like he started ninth and then slowly dropped back to 12th. Like he left it all on the track. And we do know he's gone back to America to get further tests because of the weekend. Yeah, for a week, I think he's going there, isn't he? Yeah. And going to come back from Matley. And when we seen him in the airport, he was pretty banged up. He was very, very sore. Well, yeah, there was that second motor crash as well, wasn't there? Yeah. Which... Like everyone, I don't know what the TV coverage showed, but everyone thinks he had a sec uh, bike problem in the second motor, but it was, by all accounts, a pretty gnarly crash, which left him with a bruised tailbone, I guess. I mean, that, that's an interesting point because, 
you know, from from people you speak to around about the pits. I spoke to, to Steve at one point, and I'm going through Twitter, and he was like, "What the hell's this?" Um, you know, another um, Dixon DNF. But that's. Do you think he's kind of been targeted a little bit too much because of when Max was having some issues with the bikes? Because everybody got oh, another another Dixon issue, but they don't have that many DNFs, do they? No, but it's not just because of Max. Like, Darian had a bike issue in Argentina last year. Okay. So it's not like they haven't had any since Max. Obviously, Max was an exception in 2014. And that but was the transfer of the Yamaha Kawasaki, yeah? 2015, they moved to Kawasaki. Uh, okay. 2014 on the Yamaha was when they had all the issues. Right. Which, I, I, th- which I guess, I'm not, I don't know this, but I guess prompted the change in the first place. Well, they, they were, tar- yes, they're targeted by people, and yes, people presume they're having bike problems all the time. But from the sounds of it, the TV coverage kind of implied that. Ah. Or the Eurosport. I think it was Eurosport, not MXGP TV. Uh, okay. I think the Eurosport coverage, which is just amazing, uh, implied that. Okay. But obviously, they didn't catch the crash. And yeah, uh, he ended up with a bruised tailbone. I think that's the official yeah. word, which is what uh, Justin Barsha had after Anaheim 2 this year. So you can race with that. Like, I that, think there's differing, differing like... Um, he's having trouble walking, <laughs> let alone... Uh... Uh, racing. I think there's different levels of it. Yeah, but Barsha was back the next week, and I'm pretty. He was the same thing. Like he could barely walk. So, and good thing, Matt Lee's quite far away. It just sucks though because this is his last year in MX2, and that's yeah. it now. No, like Darian tonight isn't going to be an MX2 world champion. It was going to be a long shot this year anyway. But I just wanted to see him have a full year, be fully healthy, because even so, he could build himself up to that point of winning GPs. Like that's now delayed. Yeah, like. Had he start say he'd come back from that ACL full, fully fit in Argentina and gone seven seven, that could have then progressed to a four four in Matley, and then by May he could have been a GP win contender. Now, who knows? Like he he's probably still going to win a GP this year. Like I wouldn't rule that out, but it might not be until August by the time he's built himself up to that very very elite level again. So on on that note, you know I, I'm just going to say this because I'm an interested fan. Um, where do you see him next year? Do you think do you think he'll step step at four fifty or will he do what Thomas Covington's done and uh go to America? Out of nowhere. Did not expect this question at all. But uh, he's got a contract with Dixon to ride a four fifty next year. Wow. But it's not like uh how would you describe it? It's not like fully locked in. Like if Darian gets an opportunity to go back to America with like Mitch Payton, he can do that. Okay. But the option is there for him to ride a four fifty. Uh, with Steve Dixon next year. So he's already got options in yeah. place. I'm not sure. I think it's, it's either in his contract or it's an option in his contract. Basically, if he wants to do it, he can do it. Okay, so we might not, this, you know, after this year, we still might see more of him in the future in GPs. I think he goes back to America. He's too good to not get offered a ride over there. Okay. I genuinely wouldn't be surprised to see him on pro circuit. Okay. But then I'm a bit of a believer, so. <laughs> um, so from the weekend, uh, Prado, we expected uh i think both of us expected because of uh the rise of thomas olsen we expected uh prado to have had more of uh was that fair to say more competition than he he should have got i didn't think he was gonna have more competition really i need i need Olsen to show me something i've said this i kind of did on saturday yeah 
I'm he was prob- the fastest I, in every yeah, session. I probably should accept wow. that as showing me something, <laughs> but I'm still waiting. Like, I need you to show me something. I mean, I think, was it the starts which kind of held him back a little yeah, bit? Yeah, because... I think he was like ninth or tenth on the first lap each time. And he did move forward and was clearly the class of the rest of the field. But and, I'm still waiting for that little something. And, uh, you know, looking at lap times as well, their best lap times were pretty similar. I think there's probably like, you know, half a second. Yeah, once he got into second, it wasn't like Prada dropped him. Like he stabilized the gap. But the problem was, was there was too much to make up in the, in, the, in the first place. I think I just, I think what I'm waiting for, and I don't know what I'm waiting for, but I'm waiting for something. I think I'm waiting for him to start side by side with Prado and like just beat him in an all out duel, like with no questions asked. Like he's just completely smashed Prado there. Yeah. Which he kind of did in the qualifying race, but. It was a qualifying race. Like yeah. we just said, how different qualifying was on Saturday versus the motos on Sunday. Like, I think, that's, I think that's what I'm waiting for. But I believe there's more there. One thing what we should probably uh, touch upon is that that track is very, very fast. So it suited the riders, which were a little bit gung-ho. Oh, yeah. A lot of riders were quick to point that one out, like away from interviews and that. Like there's certain riders who are happy to hang off the back of the bike everywhere hold it pinned and just close their eyes and hope for the best. And then there's others like, well, actually every single rider I interviewed said they aren't one of those guys. Yeah. Like uh, Ben Watson, Calvin Blander, and even Caroli said, like, I prefer a track where you've got to read the lines and find little technical things that you can do to make up time, like bouncing off braking bumps or whatever. Because uh, we're obviously with a track like that and the flyaways, you're missing the EMX 250s, the, the EMX 125, maybe a women's, you know, round as well. So the the track could and should have been a lot more rougher than it would have if given that there was only two classes. It's interesting how many riders like reference that, considering that ten years ago this was just normal. Like there was no support classes. So this was just normal track conditions. But now as soon as we get to a flyaway, every rider's so quick to point out that like, yeah, it wasn't as rough as it is normally, so that makes it a bit tough. Like it's I'm just surprised that's on everyone's radar so much. I don't want to go there, especially on this podcast. Oh God, what are you gonna... But do you think, like you say, 10 years ago, um, the US riders were oh, on a wow. different level? Oh, wow. Really? <laughs> really? I, I'm just going to say it. Do you think the last 10 years then of having these rough tracks is brought on the European riders? Sure. Sorry, not, not, not the total you know, reason, but maybe a small percentage. Sure. I don't really care. I'm so over that conversation. Like, so over that conversation. How am I supposed to do a podcast with you if you're over it? Um, that conversation. Can we save that conversation for Asin? Okay. Just oh, like I'll put it on the shelf. Yep. Yeah, put that high on the shelf because we won't be getting that one down for a while. Jesus. Go and write an article about it or something. Well, I don't do articles anymore. <laughs> no, you don't. Actually, I did do a blog on the plane. Yep. Not for MXY, so was nope. it? Nope. Because <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. No, I'm not allowed. Let's go. RC editor, that's why. Um, so, Monticelli. He was even in my ex, MX manager. I'm, I'm just strugg- I'm struggling to follow this. We've gone from MX2 to the nations at America versus Europe. Keep to, up. To Monticelli. Keep up. I expected Monticelli to be pushing top five this weekend. Monticelli was pushing the top five. Yeah, but he pushed a little bit too hard. And then fell backwards. Yeah. So, so I'm, guessing that, I'm guessing he's just not used to the intensity at the front of... Uh... I have put a tweet out actually to him to say... Oh, I'm sure he's big on Twitter. No, he hasn't. Even. He's not, no, even, on, he's he's not, not even got an account. That was sarcasm. That's the whole reason why I put it out. That was sarcasm. So, um, but yeah, I was just dis- disappointed with him, with my team. He let me down. 
So is he your disappointment of the weekend? Yeah. I was, could... I was quite impressed with his second moto. Oh, okay. Like he was pushing Tommy for fifth early on. Like, yeah, he couldn't stay there, but that's not really that big a surprise because he's never really done that before. Well, we both said that, um, you know, the way that he's come on. And I'm convinced that is something to do with the coaching of Porcel last year. Oh, yeah, you're big on, you are big on Porcel's coaching abilities. I am, very. That is your... I'm a believer. You are big, like the amount of times I've heard you mention that over the last couple of weeks and to people at the weekend. Is it a coincidence that he's gone from, from where he was to working with Porcel and then suddenly... Do we ignore the fact that he no longer works for Porcel, with Porcel? Well, well, I know that, but I'm just saying Yeah, no, that, but are we ignoring that, that? Like, maybe that wasn't working at all. <laughs> well, maybe. Well, I'm just saying that whole experience must have done something because it can't be a coincidence. He was good on JK last year. Better than people, some people give him credit for, probably me included. But that's when he was working with yeah. Porcel. Correct. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying. Just, I'm here to bring insights and host. And uh, push for Porcel training program as much as physically possible. I'm no part of the Porcel training program but at the moment. You are a believer, though. I am a believer. Um, sorry, so let's go back to MXT. I got all yep. excited. Just you just, just you basically the only reason you're here is to bring up Monticelli. You just wanted to get that one in there as soon as well, possible. I'm just going through my MX manager team. To be fair, is that, is that really what you've got in front of you? <laughs> no. I'm oh joking. wow. Cool. Um, what we're going back to MX2? Yeah, or? we're back on MX2. Blandrin was solid, quietly solid. Got you like structure. Blandrin was Blandrin went four four, but it's so different this year. Like I actually said this to him, which was weird of me. But if, like last year, if he'd gone four four the first round, it was like such a achievement because no one really knew where to put him. Whereas now, if he goes four four, which is still a great result, it's all like it's just looked at completely differently because he's in a title chase or he wants to be in a title chase and he wants to be winning GPs. So now you look at a four four and you're like, well. That was 14 points lost. Or maybe you don't, but still. That's like, it's just com- expectations have changed completely for him, for Ben Watson, even Jacoby, and even probably Adam Sterry. Like, there's so many guys who are, compared to what they were happy with last year, just this year is completely different. And I think that takes some time for a lot of guys to get used to. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I think you have to add uh, Puches and uh, Gertsen, uh, in you know, in those uh, rider names, because all those riders are expected to be there or thereabouts in the top three. I guess it's the same for pretty much everyone. Like you take Lawrence and Commenter now and Jonas, and everyone's going to expect to step up three positions at least. Yeah, and with um, Darian also, uh, you know, kind of not being in being hundred percent, that's another position because we expected it. We expected him to be uh, in the top three this weekend. And then Jeb Beaton's out, so like it's all a bit. I find it's all a bit weird in MX2 at the moment with people trying to find their feet and kind of get comfortable again. But I think Vlandering, I think a 4 4 for Vlandering is nothing to like roll your eyes at. Like it was just a solid start and there's more to come. I know he's getting some new engine parts the week before Vulcan Squad, I think, or was it after? Around that event, which is going to help him at the start, supposedly. Yeah. And obviously, starts are going to be big for him if he wants to run with Prado because you can guarantee where Prado is going to be out of the gate each week. Yeah, I mean, you know, we're we're talking uh, seven hundredths of a second, aren't we? Um, the difference between Prado and Vlander at the moment. On occasion. Yeah, so we're, we're talking like less than a second on, on best lap time. So he's there or thereabouts. It's just like you say, maybe suffer, suffering with what Olsen's suffering from, like you say, is the starts. Uh, it's just, it's ridiculous. Like if you're going to run with Prado, you need to start. No one's going to run him down. 
it can happen. Uh, Pankal Penang last year, he got run down pretty well by everyone, like went from first to sixth, but it's too rare to make a difference in a title chase or anything like that. So just that's, that's literally going to be MX2 all year. Like Prado takes both hole shots, that's your story. Or Vial. Or Vial, because now Prado has competition out of the gate, which actually really interested me on Saturday because Vial lined up next to Prado. And Prado got like the initial jump out of the gate. And then Vial kind of reeled him back in. And I, I don't think I've ever seen Prado like side by side with someone going into the first turn. And I genuinely didn't know what way it was going to go. And then I started wondering if Vial is even going to run it and not be inside of Prado and take a whole shot away. Like, I don't know. It's just an odd world that I've never experienced before because normally Prado's pretty comfy out front and into the first turn. He's usually got a good couple of meters before he even gets to the first turn. He's usually in the first turn by the time that most riders have left the gate. So. Let's, let's look at uh, the riders which should or shouldn't have been around the top, top three. Blanderen didn't really put a foot wrong this weekend, but like you say, uh, you know, the expectation now is a lot higher. Yeah, and it was more of a case of by the time he got to fourth, the gap to third, which was uh, Jacoby in Moto1 and Evans in Moto2, was just like a little bit too big for him to make up time. Or make up time on that track anyway. Yeah. Which, as we've covered, is near impossible. Yeah. So, after that, we... we I mean, Muse seemed to have got bad starts both days, but was able to come through the pack. I think I was kind of... Uh, un- not unimpressed, but I was kind of like... Didn't really feel much about Muse's ride either way. But the more I think about it, and the more I look at the results and where he came from and stuff, it was actually quite encouraging. It was impressive. Because last year he did this. One of the motos, he moved forward from the back and got a sixth, I think. And then the other motor, he did nothing. But this time he actually did it in both motos. So maybe this is an improvement. Like maybe this is something he can do consistently, which we're not going to get the answer to until he's done four rounds without finishing 39th in one of them. Yeah. But he was finding the positions to pass. Yeah. But it's just a thing of this isn't new. Muse is always good at certain events and on a random weekend. The question we've all got is whether he can do this consistently. And we're not going to know that until... Like last year at Matterley, he didn't get points in either moto. We, we don't know if... Like that could quite easily happen again because he hasn't proven that that whole inconsistency problem's behind him. But then, like we've covered, he's found the issue and like he started putting more effort into everything and making this his sole priority and has done that since August last year. So maybe that is all fixed now. But it was encouraging. It was an encouraging first event, even though 11th overall isn't anything he wanted, the team wanted, or anything to shout about. The other thing which I found interesting was uh, he seems to have had a growth spurt over the last year. Have you seen how tall he is? I didn't speak to him. Yeah, so I, I said low in pit lane, and but when he walked past after that, I was really surprised actually about how tall he's getting and he's filling out and everything else. So um, it's going to be interesting watching him develop this year. It's just that consistency thing. That's all I need to see. Like, I know he's fast. I know he can be on a podium. I know he can be top five. We even know he can get good starts on occasion. Just got to do that. I think, I don't even know. I almost feel like the damage is done. Like, I think teams are scared of it too. I think even if he reels off six rounds of consistent finishes over and over and over, I still think people are going to be waiting for that one bad round, which always seems to come. Even if it never does, I feel like that's always going to be in the back of people's minds. And I don't know how you stop that unless you reel off three years of consistency, but then we've got a long time to wait before that 
is uh, forgotten about. As you're always referencing, um, I'm on the Conrad Muse uh, bandwagon. Wait, uh, I'm not referencing. I'm not on that bandwagon. Oh no, no, you oh. referenced me. Oh, last yes. week, yeah, you are. Yeah, um, let's talk about your bandwagon. And the wheels definitely fell off. Mikhail Harrop. Uh, to be fair, the wheels didn't fall off. It was just the rider that fell off. Okay, that was the issue. Right, <laughs> the wheels were fine. Rider, not so much. Um, the issue was that the rider touched the ground just as much as the wheels did. Was that? Was he just trying too hard? That's his mo. We said it, but like EMX two fifty just crashes, and I kind of thought MX two was going to fix that, but apparently not. But I still believe, and I still believe he'll be on a podium at some point because speed was good. Not that he really got a chance to show it because he started from the back each time and then spent his time at the back because he crashed so much. But he'll get it figured out. Is that where Anti st- uh, steps in and and has that conversation with him about kind of you know trying to take the pressure off and? I don't even know what you can do. Like. Did you even speak to Anti on the flight about that? Uh, yep, and he agreed with me that he will be on the podium at some point this year, or he could be. But the goal for them is just to get him to every race, like stay healthy, finish each race, and just build that way. Like no results, no expectations that way. Uh, Mikel told me that he wants to be top ten, or he believes he can be. But he's also keeping this whole level-headed thing of like, just need to be there each week, just need to learn. Nothing's expected of me. All of that. So there's when- not much like. They're not, it seems like I'm on the bandwagon more than them. <laughs> really? I'm, I seem to be the one telling them, like I'm the one telling Mikel that he can podium this year. But uh, yeah, it was just, uh, it was a bad first round, but it wasn't surprising because it's just what he does. If there was a, I mean, for me, if there was an award for bike and kit this year, every round, he would have got it. I really like the setup. It was just white. It just looked cool. It was just white. It looked cool. What can I say? Maybe it was the dirt, the the, the dirt, the Argentina dirt. Oh, okay. like you what, know the, 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 the contrast. Is that a joke about how much he hit? No, no, it's not being negative. It's brutal. No, it's, no. I, I, when I was in pit lane, I was, I was watching it. It, it just looked so cool. It was just too white. So much white. Wow, I, I like it. I just, I just think it looked good. The white and the, you know, the white and then the, you know, the black on the bike and the black on the kit. It looked good. I just find just it so. interesting how much their setups change compared to last year. Like last year it was full Fox. This yep. year they got bell helmets, Scott goggles, Gurney boots, Yoko gear. Like it's a Yoko. very different team to remember last year. Remember that? I used to have some Yoko gear. I don't remember that, no. Well, if you were from the 80s, you'd have had some Yoko I'm gear. I'm not from the 80s. Everyone wore Yoko gear. To me, it's just a brand new gear brand. You haven't lived. What? Because I wasn't Yoko. in the 80s? Yeah. Well, you, you wasn't alive in the 80s. No, that is an issue. I don't know what you expect from me. I'm going to buy you some UK. Uh, I'll fix my time travel machine as soon as I can. But if uh, if technical touch are out there and have some Yoko kit for Lewis, he would kindly accept uh, the Yoko kit. Just not the all white stuff. Too white for me. Okay, not not the all white. Maybe a grey, like his mood. What? Just, just grey, like you don't seem very happy today about the Yoko gear. You just don't seem very happy. Okay. Not sure what you want my response to that to be. I, well, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with you. You go around the world, you have these opportunities, and you're not very happy. I'm very happy. I drove three hours to be here. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what more enthusiasm you want from me. Maybe that's why you're not happy. You did build the podcast studio. I feel like it's important for people to know this. The podcast studio was built by James three minutes from his house and three hours from mine. It's, it's one minute from my house. <laughs> oh, sorry. One minute from his house and yeah. a three-hour drive from mine. Well, you know, I have to have some perks. 
Okay. It's fine. There's no point in me traveling down to Brighton every day, is there? Well, is there a point in me traveling <laughs> up here to Risson? You've only got to come up here once a week. <laughs> That's fine. That's fine. Anyway, back cool. to MX2. Okay. Actually, let's wrap this up because uh, I'm going to go and get a drink and a break. Oh, a drink? You're yeah. Gonna, did you just say you're going to go and get a drink and a break? Yeah, I'll tell you why. Because someone put on Twitter, always going for a cup of tea. What's wrong with a cup of tea? Yeah, but you just said you're going to get a break. Did I? Yeah. How are you going to... I'm interested to see how that one's going to go. Well, I was probably thinking of Kit Kat and a cup of tea. So, have a break, have a Kit Kat, cup of tea. Okay. So, that's where I was. You do that and I'll just sit here and wait for you to return. Okay. All right, we'll be back in a minute. The MX5 Show. This podcast is brought to you by 24MX. Europe's biggest online motocross store. There are hundreds of your favorite brands at discounted prices, so head over to 24MX.com to shop now. Right, tea done. I'm back. Are you back? I'm back. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> that actually did make you jump out your skin, didn't it? It nearly, especially when you came around the corner, like stealth mode, and then just appeared in front of me like a jolly green giant. Thanks for calling me jolly, considering before the break you said I was unhappy. So you're unhappy, aren't you? Always moody. You don't even like anybody. Especially you. Right. Literally, if I could get another host, oh, if I could get another, actually, no, scrap that. Let me just sit here by myself and talk. Well, I could go and get a mannequin. There's one outside. Do you want that one? No. It hasn't got any It'd be about as much anyway. use as you. Knob. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, MX2. Still MX2. I think we, uh, I probably missed a few things, and I? I got a little bit excited with Harrop's kit. You. I mean, which you to be honest, all I, white. To, be, to be honest, all I remember from the beginning is you jump into Monticelli, and I'm still confused about how Monticelli. Uh, I'm, I'm just a little bit disappointed in his performance. I was really excited about. It. Yeah, let's uh, let's re- let's recap the MX first round of MXGP. Let me tell you about what stands out in my mind, Monticelli. But no, he can he can come in. Do you know what stood out in my mind? What clean toilets? What clean toilets? It's the first GP I've ever been to where you've walked in and there's not loggers I everywhere. feel like you need to do like an alternative podcast with this shit. I'm happy with that. If you're not on there, it'd be great. Can we go back to MX2, please? Yeah. Or would you like to take us somewhere else again? No, fine, we do MX2. Okay, MX2. Do you want to start or shall I start? Well, let's, let's get some insights. I like insights. What did you learn? Let's start from the bottom, meaning 31st overall. That's harsh. Who's that? Ika Laranaga Olano. Ooh, what was he doing down there? Uh, he broke his collarbone, supposedly. I actually don't know if it's been confirmed yet. I saw a statement in Italian from his team, always helpful, yeah. um, and Google Translate translated that to broken clavicle. Oh. What's a clavicle? That's collarbone. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. Yeah, uh, so I heard he broke his collarbone, which has now been confirmed by his team in Italian. So I'm not sure how long he'll be out. Six weeks. But uh, his crash off of the big step-up where everyone, every single photographer stands to take a photo of someone doing a whip. Is that why all the yellow flags came out? In Was that race two or race one? I think it was race one. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. But his crash, where he basically landed and like just dropped the front end. And it was weird. I thought it was weirdly similar to his crash in Pankal Penang last year, where we did both his shoulders. So By the way. He's perfected that crash. We, we mentioned, yeah, that is his move. Like, that's his Siggy. Strong. That is his Siggy. Um, we were talking about airports, just quickly. Oh, oh, who's chopping and changing now? I no, thought we were talking about MX2. We, well, this links because we were talking about Laranaga and I mentioned links. his crash okay. last yep. year. I've never seen anyone look so over life than him sat on the plane back from Argentina with two dislocated shoulders. <laughs> like, literally. 
I could feel for him because I'd, I probably wouldn't want to do that. But still, like, yeah, very upset. He wouldn't be able to wank for weeks, would he? Whereas, wow. So, oh, sorry, we're chopping and changing. Do you realize you what? do realize this is being recorded? Uh, yeah, we get Rob to edit that. Okay, please. Um, yeah, and he was even in economy, whereas Fevra this weekend was in business. Oh, yeah, cool. Yeah, but where where was his where was his young lady? Who Fevra? Yeah, in economy. <laughs> <laughs> It's a harsh world. It's if a harsh I put world. my wife in the economy, Jesus, that's the quickest one to divorce. Anyway, uh, yeah, Larinaga broke his collarbone, so I guess he'll be out for a while. But this is becoming, this is now becoming a bit of a theme, him and injuries, but he should be good once he gets back up to speed. It just sucks that we've lost like another rider so soon. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a real bright start to, to part two of the show. Moving up, we've got Zachary Pichon, who was about as recognisable as a man in camo stood in the trees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he didn't have a good weekend, did he? His helmet. I like the Alpine Stars helmet with the Alpine Star gear. Didn't see that. That combo, like Alpine Stars helmet, Alpine Stars gear, looks very strong. That's about all the positivity I can give you. Okay. But I can't remember what the issue is. But he's young. In... He, he had problems in the off-season. And I can't... I think he had a back injury. Not a broken... Like, not broken back or anything, but I think he had a back injury. Just be careful you don't start rumours. No, I actually wrote... I could research, but I won't, I won't get distracted. Yeah, don't, don't do he any definitely, research, He mate. had something in the off-season, but... I mean, I could search now if you like. Sure. Okay. He definitely had something that kind of slowed his progress down a bit, but then this is just no different to what he's done previous years. It's good to see you've opened your laptop this week. To do your research. Well, I don't know what you want from me, do I? I'm just trying to keep my job. I'm okay. just punching the clock here. Um, right. Uh, do you want to go for any uh, other ones at the bottom? What about D'Souza? How did you feel he, he got on this week? How old is he? <laughs> this, right. One change I've made to the podcast is James has very, very, very little to offer. The one thing he does seem to have to offer, though, is no matter what rider I bring up, he asks me how old they are. Yeah. I don't know everyone's date of birth. Like, Should do. Sorry. Should job. I can tell you about how many GP wins they've got, how many podiums they've had, where their highest, best finish was last year. I don't know every single rider's age. Like, D'Souza from Brazil, yep. I don't know his age. He's under 23. Well, actually, D'Souza is 19. He likes red. I thought you were being He's serious. He's a Virgo. See, <laughs> and also, it says on the, the bio I've done on him, he plays football in part-time. He likes My Little Pony. Uh, which okay. is not strong. And you're boring me. Okay. Um, are you done with your bio? Yeah, it's fine. Okay, good. <laughs> the biggest thing, we, uh, there, was a quest- there was an unanswered question from episode one, and that was how to pronounce Matthias Bassam- Baswami. Oh, oh I've James, got that. I've got take that. the floor. Gordon Crockard. Uh, That's a weird way to pronounce Boswami. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was the one who, who put me right. So it's Bois Ram Me. Bwarami. 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 Yeah. I'm getting good at this shit. Right, next. The funny thing is that now when we talk about Bwarami, no one's going to have a clue who we're talking about. I still like Sanaye instead of Sanai. No, like, his name's San- is Sanai. Yeah, I know, but I did speak to him in the airport and he, he agreed with me at Sanai Did better. you actually bring that up with him? No. I was going to say, because that, that would definitely be a red card on your I mind. know your eyes would roll if I'd done that. My eyes do roll at you a lot. Uh, Revo Husqvarna riders, 14th for 15th overall. What about Usland in freaking practice? Usland, and in the qualifying race, he's actually quite good, but shocker. Did not see that coming. He's quite quiet, though, under the radar and all of that, and I think that really plays against him, because even last year, he went out, uh, his season ended in Latvia when he crashed through that wave section, but 
he was quite good before that. And there were definitely little bright spots here and there. So I feel like he can do this on occasion or consistently or whatever. Like he definitely has this in him. He just kind of needs to show it a bit more and shout about it. Like once again, that 14th overall, if you're looking at it on paper, doesn't look great, does it? And I, I don't think it reflected his performance. No, he looked he really good. He was fast out there as well. I'll be honest, before the season, I would have pegged Dylan Walsh to be the top uh, Rebo Husqvarna rider all day long. All I think, day long. I think Dylan Walsh probably did as well. Yeah, I think he's I'd probably imagine. surprised seeing his teammate in front of him. No but, offense um, to, to Usland, but yeah, it was, it was a great performance. What I seen on the Saturday in the, in the qualifying race, it was, it was great. But yeah, 14th and 15th overall, I definitely expect more from both of them. And I know that Dylan Walsh is like insanely disappointed. I'm sure Revo expected more from them. But then you look at the guys ahead of him. Like, is he going to beat Muse? Is he going to beat Basson? Is he going to beat Pooches? Is he going to beat Sterry? Like, there are going to be days like that. It's just going to happen because he's not. He's not meant to be beaten. Like, if he was going to get top ten overall, he would have had to beat Pooches or Sterry. That can happen on certain weekends. It's just not going to happen all the time. On that note, you look at the top twenty, and that's pretty stacked, yeah. Yeah. So who's coming in from? Who's doing? Uh, just European ranks in MX2. What riders are going to be coming into this? I think that's more MXGP than MX2. Do you think? I think so. No, nah, there's got to be some some MX2. I mean, again, I'm I'm not the expert. Uh, I'm just a host, but I thought you would know this information. No, I don't think there's. Well, I don't really think there's anyone missing who really stands out. Like obviously MXGP, you've got former GP winners. What about Rowan? Oh, gee. I spoke on that. Oh, note. yeah. I told you not to bring this up. Are you going to? Yeah. Oh, okay. Do it. On that note, Rowan Van Moosdijk, I spoke to the powers that be at Kawasaki, and he was going to go MX2 this year. Yeah. But in September, they announced that he was going to be doing EMX250. You had six months to read that press release. Yeah. But what I want to try and put out there to everybody is that, okay, I might have got it wrong, but technically, I was right. No. Well, I, I was. Actually, how did you. What did you say his name was? Rowan Van Moosdijk. Okay, you did get it right. What you did said it wrong. Oh, what do you think I said? There is, there is another pronunciation of his name. Oh. Which means very different things. Yeah, let's not swear on. No. Well, I don't think that's swearing. But. Right, so what was I saying on Rowan Van Moosdijk? I don't know. You just wanted to get your little speech out of the way. Okay. Um, no, I was going to say that there's got to be MX2 riders which are focusing on uh, European 250 only and the fact is you don't know who they are no there's just no one like there's no one who's going to make a difference to those results really no not from memory anyway what about Ferlotti ah, got you there Ferlotti yeah oh bollocks he's, he's in... an XGP I actually had to think about that because I genuinely was like are you being maybe Rob talking... definitely edit this I've I fucking was, done it again I was, genuine, I was genuinely thinking about you caught me there because I was sat there like Maybe he's thinking about someone else. And I was like, is there two Filottis? No, he's in MXGP. Yeah. Again, yeah, focusing right. on European rounds. Right. Like I said, there's more people doing that in, Euro- in MXGP than MX2. Okay. I'm, I'm just going to leave it now. Okay, good. Right. Um, Can we end it now? I was quite disappointed with Cervelin. Or Cervelin. Yeah. Oh, Chervy. Oh, yeah. I was disappointed with him as well. I feel like... Great I feel kit. Like, I feel like there's something up there. Like, I saw him moving his shoulders a lot and I don't know. I, need, I meant to go over and trying to figure something out but I feel like well I, I think it's on some of the results last year we've we seen him in around top five and then obviously the year before he was on Honda Russia. yeah it was um, actually on Honda last year that's why we that's why we um, ignoring that we expect more of him you just ignoring the fact that you said he was he was on Honda last year for the first six or seven rounds 
Yeah, but wasn't the year before HRC? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I was referring ah, to. Okay. No. I'm sorry, I've just got to check these things. Yeah, you've just been a dick now. Gertz had goggle issues in the qualifying race and in race one. So that car, and he had a, he had a, weirdly, he said he had a massive crash in race one. I saw that. So I went and found the footage because I didn't see it in person. And it's a weird crash. Like, it's not massive, but it's not, I don't know. Like I watched it five times and was just like, what the hell happened there? It was through that like dragon's back before the waves. Yeah. Weird. But he's fine. And yeah, he just had goggles issue, goggle issues in race one. So that hurt him. I'll tell you one person we haven't really spoken about. Ben Watson. We actually haven't mentioned his name. Well, and Adam Starry as well. I, I want to congr- congratulate Adam, uh, who's in my uh, MX manager team, on uh, a solid result the weekend. I think you put on Twitter earlier that he got you excited on Saturday and didn't really live up to that on Sunday. Yeah, let's not mention that. So, okay. You're just a bit of a keyboard I was warrior. Very right? e- You're just a bit of a keyboard warrior, aren't you? I was very excited Saturday. His pace was really good. Okay, Watson or Starry, who do you want to take first? Uh, let's do Watson. You, you're the expert. He was disappointed. But then again, this isn't a track that plays into his hands at all. And he even said that to me last year after he went 4-4. He was like, I hate this place. So, I don't know. Obviously, you would expect more and you'd expect him to beat Evans. But then also there's 30 riders who didn't beat Evans. So maybe that's just because we don't know what to expect from Evans. The other thing is as well, we're, you know, I guess it's our... our uh, position or job to analyze you know the weekend's yeah that's what we're doing here but also we have to credit some of these riders for being sensible because this is the first round everybody goes freaking crazy every year because they get all excited round one out to show everybody and it's a fast track we've seen what happened to fevre in the in the uh, wave section so it's you're going that fast uh, you know, the, the, if you make a mistake out there, it's 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 going to hurt. It's going to wipe you out for a few rounds. So, has you know, Sterry and Watson, who were, I think both of them said that that they weren't ecstatic about the results, but they were they've got through it. Sterry crashed in the second race. Uh, his tire hit his arm, burnt it up, and he was getting um, <laughs> st- st- <laughs> he was getting um, I don't know what you'd call it, like uh, stuff. Would you rub on it to stop it getting infected? What's what's that called? I don't know. Oh, he was, he was getting it all like plastered up and everything at the end of the day. Like, he's fine, but... Okay, but he's got another burn to collection. He's got some serious scars yeah, it was coming his, it was his tire on his arm. It's, but, fi- like, it's fine. It's not, it's not going to stop him riding or anything. It's just, he just did it basically as precaution to get it all covered up. scars. But, uh, yeah, so that... And I don't even think the crash was that big in the second race. But again, it's just, these crashes are stopping him from hitting his potential. I can remember a couple of years ago when he wrote for Steve Turner's team and he uh, got burnt by the exhaust when his arm got trapped under there. Yeah. This is nowhere on that level. Nowhere okay. on that level. But um, even with that, for him to finish in the top 10 in both motos is an achievement because in recent years, that's been tough for him. Yeah. And I guess it's, if, if you're not feeling it in round one and you just want to get through, you know, okay, you're some points down, but there's going to be through this year, there's going to be some DNFs. There's going to be a mechanical. Caroli uh, went 1-1, I think. He told me that he just played it safe. Like he's not 100%, doesn't want to go out. Like he said every, like, it's just showing off. It's just, well, it's just something that, it's just a thing, in it? No one's going to go out and go balls out in a round one, are they? Well, that's kind of scary for everybody else if he's, you know, keeping a little bit inside. Well, these. maybe the mind games are starting. Speaking of mind games. <laughs> I know what you're going to say, but aren't we supposed to be talking about MX2? No, because I am talking about MX2, so you don't know what I'm going to say. Oh, I thought you were going to talk about Jeffrey Herlins on Instagram. No. Okay. 
Crack on. Uh, we interviewed Vlanderin on Friday. Yeah. In a video that's coming out on MX Vice YouTube, either probably by the time this has gone out, MX Vice YouTube, head there. And Vlanderin said that he knows he's stronger than Prado, but that starts are going to be his weakness. And I thought that was interesting. That's really interesting. I thought it was really interesting. He's kind of put it out. Put it out there quite a bit. I was like, whoa. Hello. But good. I, like, we need this. Yeah, we definitely and do. I, I can't even disagree with him. No. Like, I genuinely, if he can get a start, I think, he can, I think he can run with Prado. And the same with Watson, same with Olsen. I think those three can do it. Yeah. Maybe Jacoby. We haven't even really talked about Jacoby. No, he looked good. But again, I put him in that category of people who, the track where you've just got to hang off the back and hope for the best, he's one of those riders that can do that. But then equally, he was on the podium in Trentino last year, which is completely the opposite. So maybe this is going to be consistent. Yeah. I tell you what's interesting is how intense his dad is. Who? Jacoby? Yeah. I've never even, I don't think I've seen his dad. Yeah, I've seen him hanging off the corner. And uh, if, if he ever gave me one of those death stares, I think it would get another sort of, you know, three seconds of lap out Well, of I'm sure Jacoby lives his life in fear then, because if that's what his dad's like, and then he's got his trainer, Mark Deruva. Oh, yeah. Who... If he, if he didn't perform well, probably would have like ripped his exhaust off his bike and whacked him around the head with it. True. Although he was very happy to tell me after the race that his training is clearly going well. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's great. But yeah, I think, I think you're going to see more from Watson at Masterly. I think we can see more from Sterry. I think we're going to see more from Gertz, which, but then how much more? Like, Does that mean that Evans is going to fall down the order? I don't know if I'd say that, but I think this isn't a true indication of what's to come. I think lots of, I think a lot of the guys outside of the top 10 can get in the top 10. I just, I think we've said it before, but I think this MX2 class is going to be really good. The fight for the win just might not be there. Um, one rider who I did expect to do a little bit uh, better than he did was uh, Van Donning. Did you expect that? Oh, I don't know what I expect anymore, to be honest. But, he didn't have the starts and that's what he said like with mistakes and everything he just didn't have a chance to show what he can do but which again you can't you've got to give him the benefit of the doubt because that that is a story around that track we've said it a million times now but I do expect more yeah and I expect the more from uh, me <laughs> as well Very but good. then he hurt his chest or something on Saturday okay and or I can't remember what it was exactly not bad or anything but I think the physio was working on them a little bit. So maybe that was the reason for that. But I'm sure switching to MX2, Asamoah weren't exactly pegging themselves to go to Argentina and get 18th and 19th overall. No. That's a big investment. So, ah, funny little pattern. Uh, my OCD likes this. 14th, 15th, both Revo riders. 16th, 17th, both uh, DRT riders. 18th, 19th, both Asamoah riders. What does that mean? Absolutely nothing. Do you know what it means? Nice order though, isn't it? You know what it means? It's nice and neat. What? They shouldn't train together. What? Because <laughs> they're going to sing speed, obviously. Oh, okay. Okay. Not just a brickby. Right. Uh, wrapping up MX2. Do you want to? Well, I've got one question. Did you see Maxine Renault's bike after race one? Yeah, he was the reason for the yellow flags over that big step up in ah, lap okay. one of race one. Yeah. But fine, obviously. How he, he came through race that? Wow. I got a 19th. Yeah, that bike did not look good. Yeah, basically, the back end of the bike was just evaporated. Yeah. Like mudguard long gone. I think the pipe was long gone. It like, was there was nothing there. Yeah. Obviously, well, obviously, if the bike ended up like that, you can imagine what happened. Yeah, that but, was brutal. Uh, wrapping up MX2 with this one question. Prado. Who is Juan Pablo Luzardi? Okay, you keep that question to yourself. We're on my question right now. Uh, Prado. 
when does he get beat? How long does this streak go on for? I don't know. Are we going to see someone? Ta- how did he? Um, how did his, what was his results in Matley? What last year? Yeah, two two. Who beat him? Jonas. Well, it's looking quite good for him this year. What off of that one fact? <laughs> that one <laughs> fact. Well, no, I think I think he can be beaten, and I still stand by the fact that Olsen, Vlander, and Watson are going to win GPs this year. I said before that Sanai and Beaton were going to win GPs and I'll stay there for the time being on the basis that I think Sanai can progress quite quickly and Beaton, who knows, there's not really a timeline on his recovery yet, but I don't think he's going to be back from Matley. But I think those three riders, Olsen, Blander and Watson, can beat Prado. I just don't know when it happens. Like, I think Prado sweeps the first four rounds, say. Especially once Vladimir gets these engine improvements on his 250. I think maybe that maybe that will change the game a little bit, but for the time being, it looks like it's Prado's world. Well, the interesting thing is, so are we saying that Prado's bike is the bike which he's going to be... Are they expecting any improvements or are they done? Typically, they would. I didn't speak to him because he was long gone by the time I got over there. But Because the interesting thing is, is whether that is the benchmark. Prado's bike is the benchmark. Well, it always is going to be in the class, but Herlin's, even Herlin's was getting little like engine modifications and stuff like that through the season last year. I think around July sort of time, he even got another improvement. So it's always going to happen. So it's nothing to say that Prado's going to be standing still for the next six months. Yeah, I mean, uh, and the interesting point for me is if, if people like Mitch Evans, where their bike is, is nowhere near where it needs to be, um, according to the team, there's lots more improvements that they can make throughout, you know, the, the, the upcoming months. Uh, you've got Flanderen, who you've just spoken about, and we don't know where Olsen is bike-wise in a moment, do we? No, I didn't speak to him either. Okay, so we're, we're going to see vast improvements from these guys, surely. I think, well, you're going to see that from everyone. I just, all I want is just to see someone else get a start with Prado. That's all I want. Because that is where questions are going to get answered. As long as Vlander and Olsen and Watson are starting 8th, 9th and 10th, there's always going to be that what if. Yeah, I, I, I quite like, I think Watson in front of his home crowd. I can see him doing very well at Matley. Are you saying he'll win? I'd like to see him win, yeah. Yeah, are you saying he will win? I think he can get one win, yeah. So you think Prada gets beaten very soon? Yeah, I okay. do. I, th- I think from what I've seen the weekend, I think there was, there was definitely signs that, that he's not going to have... did confuse me. Exactly, and, that, and that's what I'm going from. I'm going from that race in the fact that, um, from what I've seen, I think that, that this year is going to be a lot closer than you think. Stand it's, just, it's just odd, because the qualifying race said one thing and the moto said the other. Obviously, you're going to fall on the motos because they're the real thing. Yeah, sure. But then, like you say, equally, had Olsen got a start, then who knows? Okay. And also, uh, Juan Pablo Lizardi. Oh, my. Yes. He's an MXGP, so that takes us quite nicely into MXGP. Okay. Do you want to talk about him now? Sure. I'm like, is this... How old is he? When you were going on about Monticelli, I genuinely thought that was like the weirdest you could get as a host. But here you are talking about... Oh, Juan oh there's weirder. Giro Salazar. He sounds like a... He, Drug you know, dealer. What's the, uh, what's the uh, machine that you get on like Piers that delivers you a fortune? Yeah. Isn't that machine called like the Salazar or something? I think Victor Garrido, who was 24th, he's an actual football player as well. I don't care. This is a motocross podcast. Yeah. I anyway. Think, I think he plays for River Plate. Are you done with MX2? Uh, yeah, we've moved on. I'm done now. I'm, I'm in MXGP mode. Can I ask you one more MX2 question? Hector. Can I ask you one more MX2 question? 
Olsen was the second best MX2 rider. Yep. Do you see him being the second best MX2 rider a lot this year? Or do you think that Blander and Watson topple him? I see Olsen winning quite a few GPs. And, and the, other, the other thing as well, uh, he's only six points down. And if he... Oh, wow. wow. Thanks for doing that maths for us. No, it's okay. But I'm, I'm, all I'm thinking is, okay, if Prado gets everything his own way and goes 1-1 for the next four GPs, that's only going to put him 24 points down. He gets one DNF, one crash, and Olsen wins. And the title race is still there. That's my question, though. Do you think that Olsen is going to have be a step above Blander and Watson and these other guys a lot? I don't know, because I was confused. Cause, because from what I've seen the weekend, Olsen was very dominant on the Saturday. And then um, when I'm looking at it on the Sunday, it just seemed that it starts um, down a little bit. So, but there again, that was the same for Vlanderen, for Watson, and, and so on. I think the, the starts obviously very key within that group. I think there are more questions than answers. What do you think? But I don't think Olsen is clearly the second best guy in the class, and I don't think he will be every week. I wouldn't, be, I, don't think, I, don't, I wouldn't be surprised if he isn't on the uh, podium at Matterley because I think that Blander and Ann Watson are both better suited to that track. Okay. So I think if Prado's going to be challenged at round two, it's coming from one of those guys. Just those guys, or do you think Lucas Dunker? Oh, wow. <laughs> okay, let's move on. Your, your uh, focus on MX2 is just gone. So MXGP, let's move on. Okay. Sorry, Lucas. Okay, then. So let's start with... Antonio Caroli? Well, or would to... you like to start with someone in 21st? How about Monticelli? Well, no, no, I was going to... What about Nagel? Do you, right, this is a good one. Do you have any idea what happened to Nagel? He was not happy. He looked bruised. Do you have any idea what happened to Nagel? I'm guessing he fell off his motorcycle. Okay, thanks for listening to the MX Vice podcast where he clearly went into detail about everything that happened to him in Argentina. I didn't know you'd done a podcast with him. For people like you who didn't listen to my interviews... No, I've not listened to one <laughs> of them. <laughs> um, he popped his knee out in the first race. Okay. Didn't crash. Yeah. Didn't slip off a peg. Didn't catch his foot in a rut. Landed off a jump and his knee just popped out. Uh, tried to ride a second race and it happened again. So he's also, like Fevra, having checks this week. So what were you saying, ACL? He said it could be some... He, he doesn't know, basically. He said it could be something that puts him out for the season or it could be something where he's back in Matterley. But he said he's never had a knee injury before in his life. He has no... Like, effectively, he has no idea what it is. Like, obviously, like Dean Wilson, for instance, has had so many ACL injuries. He'll know the feel of things and be like, yeah, that's my ACL. He, now, Nagel doesn't have a clue. So we're, it's a waiting game with that. But it's actually funny because... Um, what, that he's got an knee, in, knee no, injury? It's, fu- <laughs> it's funny because he was never meant to go to Argentina. That was never in the plan. He, uh, Sahol's KTM are a European-only team. Right. He had crowdfunding on his Facebook page, which got him to Argentina. So now all those fans who did a nice thing by putting in money... Why are you laughing? <laughs> because What's it's just like you. <laughs> it's just like a tw- odd twist of fate, isn't it? Like all those fans who put in money to get him to Argentina are the reason why he's injured. He, like I said to him in the interview, I don't think he really got it. But I was like, I bet you kind of wish you just not come now, hadn't you? I'm not surprised. I don't get it either. Is that not funny? No. Like there's something <laughs> wrong with you. <laughs> it's just a weird twist of fate. Like it's funny how things end up, isn't it? Like all those people probably thought they were doing a good thing by sticking twenty euros in a pot, but turns out. He probably wishes he'd stayed at home. But yeah, uh, we don't know about Narva. We don't know how well it, his knee is, how long he's going to be out for, any of that. But it's a waiting game. We okay. do know but he's not making much money this year and he's kind of in a survival mode, but he's very happy with the team. And he's actually interested by the whole experience of being on a private team. Yeah. Which we're going to get onto this with Van Horbeek, but just a little bit of what he said. 
He said he was surprised what you can do with such a small budget and a small group of people versus the factory teams. Yeah. Which I feel like is going to be a theme of this year because there are a lot more, because of the scope of the MXGP class and the level of riders, there are a lot more people on lesser teams who shouldn't be on lesser teams. Yeah. Like, so I think those riders are going to have interesting feedback to people like me with my podcast machine on what that experience is like because obviously they can do a direct comparison. But it seems all positive which is why I'm quite disappointed that um, he may potentially be out because he reckons he could get on the podium at some point, which, based on his Saturday performance, isn't out of the question. No, no, not at all. I thought you rode, you know, the, the times that I've seen him ride this year have been really good. So, yeah, we wait and see. Stay tuned to MX Vice for more on Max Nagel's popped-out knee. Yeah, cool. Um, question. Speaking... Oh, God. Was it no. really... Why are you questioning me? Did I really sound bad when I was laughing about the whole crowdfunding? Oh, thing? yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, he's going to be right on the face. It's a you. twist of fate. Funny. That's, a, that's another rider running around. Is it, not, is it not funny? No? Uh, no, not really. Okay. No. Always look on the bright side of life, I say. Well, maybe you should, you know, drink your own medicine. Wow. Practice what you preach. Right, next. Are we going up? Can we go to the top now, or do you want to just continue? At what the was the one last week? What was the thing with the kettle? Uh, no, it's a different bag of fish. Uh, that's the one, yeah. Okay. Also, another saying that you told me isn't a saying, money makes a monkey dance. That's a saying. No one's heard of that. It's a, it's a saying. No, yeah, you, money because makes you went on to Google. No, it is a saying. Money makes a monkey dance. It's also dance. a song you told me. Yeah, apparently. It, it, money makes a monkey dance uh, never is a saying. I've never heard of it. No one cares. Okay. Um, right, let's go back to this. Cold and often burgers. Did we expect are we, really, are we actually going from the bottom up? Well, you told me to go... No, I said, is that what you want to do? No, you did. You said we're going from the bottom up. Okay, everyone who's really excited to hear us talk about Van Horbeck's amazing third, stay tuned, because we'll get there eventually. Jesus. So first we have structure, and then you take the structure away. And then you just change it. Can we just start from the top? Okay, right, let's do what you okay. want to do. Antonio Caroli. Well, we've already said about him. No, we haven't. Yeah, we have. We haven't spoken about him. About 10 minutes ago, you just said that he'd, he'd literally had, like, Half throttle and just... Yeah, that was one thing. There's a lot more to say. Okay, go on, crack on. Well, I've got a question for you again. Oh. Why, am I, why have I got the questions? Because I want you to feel included. Uh, okay. You're over there. You look lonely. A bit lost. It's because I'm not having any chocolate today. I want to bring you into the show. So, uh, Caroli. Yep. Did you expect him to be that dominant? Because yep. I... Oh. <laughs> Next. <laughs> I didn't. Okay, do you want me to ask you the question? So, Crowley, did you expect him to be that dominant? It's a, it's a discussion. Oh, okay. Do I need to send you to social skills class? Stills? <laughs> I can't. I literally can't with you. Oh, no. Right, Crowley. Yeah. From the outside gate, I genuinely did not think he was starting top five each month. No, there was no way he should be that starting. That start massively favoured the inside. Even, okay, fair enough, it's a bit of a chicane. So, like, if you're on the outside in first turn, you'll have the inside for the second one doesn't really work like that there because it's not the gap between first and second turns so long that there's enough time for people to move over. Sorry to interrupt you, but am I, is it bad that I was actually thinking him being on the outside would have gave us a race? That's what I was excited about as well. Yeah. And then he ruined it by just going out and beating everybody again from the outside. I'll tell you what the most interesting thing though is in the last moto, I focused on him specifically out of the gate. Watching him start alongside an Argentine wild card is mind-blowing yeah but and that, i've got to think that was may that have, wild card who's already i've got to think that that might have helped his starts because he didn't have anyone around him to really get in front of him out the gate or like lock handlebars with him 
So I've got to think that maybe played a factor in if this was a European GP. Bit disrespectful to Juan. I've got to think if this was a European GP, he might have had a tougher time. Okay. But I, I don't know. The fact, Good insight. The fact that he won and got out the gate so well and Prado and Fevre both were in great positions to challenge him and he still won dominantly. It's just confirmed what I already thought. Caroli's a step above. We saw that in the Italian Championship rounds. And yeah, until Hurlings comes back, it's for 2-2-2 show. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, what more can you say? It's, what is interesting, though, is he apparently he's, he believes he's on a level higher than ever before physically. Is that more mind games? Well, you'd say that. But last year when I interviewed him, he took a massively different approach because he said that he had no motivation to train at all. Wow. Well, I, I should rephrase that. He doesn't have motivation. He didn't, did not, past tense have a motivation to train on like rainy days or when he couldn't be bothered or stuff. Whereas this year, obviously after um, that battle with Hurlins last year, where he got put in his place a little bit, he was a bit more, he was fully motivated all off season, had his eyes firmly on the goal. His fire is lit. Yes. So bearing all of that in mind, it's not surprising at all that you handled Geyser and Fever, is it? Like this is just normal. Like what, it would be a surprise if it was the other way. Whereas I think people were maybe getting a bit ahead of themselves and therefore expected something different. What did you think of um, guys at the weekend? Disappointing. Is this just because of his peak? His peak stayed on, on the whole of Sunday. Like, congratulations. What, a, what an achievement. Like, there should have been a trophy on a podium for that. Screw he was bullet place. man again Saturday. Screw, screw second place. I would have chucked him up on the top step and just been like, well done, mate. You kept your peak on. Is, is that peak thing working? I don't know. I think it's meant to come off when you crash. So yeah. Okay. <laughs> but there's an issue here. We all have a great laugh about his peak. Funny, brilliant. Twitter loves it. I think he looks like Evil Knievel when he's got his peak missing. Okay. That later. Okay. This now. Um, See, so you've, you've completely sidetracked me. Um, everyone finds it funny when his peak's missing. Yeah. I, f- I find it hilarious. There's yeah. a greater issue here. That peak... So, okay, uh, everyone jokes he lost his peak 20 times this, last year. Yeah. Probably about right. That means he crashed 20 times. Also, like, it means that he got filled in 20 times because you use your peak to deflect the, the roost. Yes. But no, but you're missing the point. Uh, that's a great point. We're all, everyone's laughing about how much he loses his peak. But the amount of times that he loses his peak is proportionate to the amount of times he crashes. But how many, how many of those times were down to wind? I don't think that's, I think that's only happened once. And I think it was for the Ice One riders last year. And try not to laugh because I find it quite. I just find it funny. I'm Harry. actually making such a serious point here, but that is proportionate. Losing the peak number of times that he's done that is proportionate to the amount of crashes. That's a serious problem. Could could anybody out there who has a similar type of helmet with a magnetic peak, please tweet us if they've got problems in the wind with with their peak? I know off. that one of the Ice One riders lost their peak last year without crashing. I think that's the only case I've ever heard of though. Okay, and uh, I know that they did some modifications to keep the peak on. So tweet at Motocross Vice um, and tweet, is it an underscore thing? Have you still got uh, Lewis At LewisPhillips71 on Twitter. Yeah, and at James Burfield if you really want to. Um, I'm not on there much. But uh, tweet us if, uh, if you've had problems with your peak coming off due to magnetic problems. But um, back to what you said about Geyser and when you asked me what I thought and I said disappointing, purely because it looked so promising. Like, Saturday, he had speed, he looked into control, everything seemed to be clicking. And then what happens? The leopard doesn't change his spots, 
head headbutts a jump, loses his peak, and oh look, we're back to 2018. Like he did look good though. Yeah, but the fact is, it ended in the same outcome. That I don't care how we get to the outcome; the outcome needs to be different. Like that's my point. It's like oh yeah, promising, promising, promising. Ah uh, no, that's still the same guy we've always seen. Okay. And also, the fact that he didn't have the speed around there, that track is made for him, I believe, especially compared to a veteran like Crowley. The fact that he couldn't even give Crowley a bit of a challenge in both motos, I'm disappointed, and I'm not sure that's going to change. Are you not going to pick him for your MX manager team? No. Okay. I like Tim, and I hope that Tim continues to give me interviews, but <laughs> I feel like that's just, for, that's just what we've seen. Like, show me something different. Do you like Tim's dad? Tim's dad wasn't there. No, I mean, do you like him? Yeah, I know, but his, he wasn't there. That, no. I, like, I need to send some texts and figure that out because that's a rare occurrence. Okay. But yeah, I just, that's my feelings on Tim. Like, I just want to see something different. And I thought we were going to see that. But at the end of the day, 2 2 at opening round isn't exactly anything to criticize. And maybe he is. I know he said that um, his, his crash in qualifying did kind of. Uh, affect him on Sunday in the sense that he just wanted to get out of there safe. So maybe he comes out and Matty and is a new guy, but for the time being, it doesn't look like much has changed. Okay, so um, let's go to which was arguably the biggest surprise of the weekend. And I know that you've got a lot of information and insights. Oh, on... we have, right. Should we start this two-hour segment on Van Horby? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. What should we start with? I've got uh, money. 17 different talking Everybody points. wants to know about money. Money? Yeah. Because he's either riding for 300000 or for free, isn't he? No. Where have you got that from? That's the rumours. No, the rumours we heard was that when, he, when everyone heard that he had his marker last year of like the certain amount of money he wanted, yeah. the rumour was that it was 300000 Oh, okay. What he told me in an interview on Sunday is that he, for the results he's getting, he doesn't believe he should be riding for any less than 100000 Well, after that result, you can't really argue, can you? That's what he said. But the way he said it was almost in a sense that he was getting paid that by this team. Yeah. Which surprises me because that team didn't even have the budget to do GPs a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, I might be wrong. I don't know the team. I don't know the owner, but I, I, I don't know where they're getting 100 But we know 000. he's not getting like, help with his wages from wrong. Honda or anything like that. So. Okay, what else do we know? Well, the most interesting point that I found is that Honda didn't... When the... Van Horbeek went to Honda and said, yep, we're thinking about doing GPs, uh, blah, blah, blah. They said, put that one on the shelf. We've got an offer for you to do the British Championship. Wow. Literally, when he told me that, my jaw hit the floor. And then he said he didn't want to do the British Championship. And I was like, I don't blame you, mate. So was he going to be, uh, what, the third rider on cab screens? <laughs> that was funny. Good one. Thank you. Um, I'm guessing that offer came up after it became apparent that Jake Nichols wouldn't make the first round. Okay. But what I find interesting is if, Guy, if uh, Van Horbeek says that 100,000 is this level that he doesn't believe he should be below, was that money on the table to race the British Championship? Surely not. Surely not. No. But then I'm guessing that's maybe why he said he didn't want to do it, or at least part of the reason, because there was no incentive. Wow. So we could have seen Van Horbeek in the British Championship. It just goes to show how much Honda valued the British Championship, though. I mean, the British Championship is slowly dying, but apparently people still value it. Okay. It's, I, find, I just found that interesting. I wouldn't say slowly. It's, it's six foot under at this point. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> May it rest in peace. Let's, but, um, let's keep this cheery. 
<laughs> but yeah, uh, I was just surprised that Honda offered him a British Championship deal. Surprised on many levels that A, they'd put that to Van Horvick. B, they valued a British Championship that much. And C, that is where Van Horvick's career almost went. So not interested in MXGP, they were interested yep. in him. So, so, no, so from your point of view, there's no support from Honda? No, absolutely none. Well, it so seems is that, that Honda way. France? Honda France is where all his support's coming from. Honda Europe, there's nothing, supposedly. Okay. Obviously, maybe he forgot something, maybe it got lost in translation, but that's kind of the sense that he was giving me, which Did- is just shocking because we don't really get a full privateer example of what you can do as a privateer in GPs because the pecking order kind of works itself out where you don't normally see... Like, once a rider of Van Horvick's caliber goes down to a team like Honda SR, no offense, they're usually on their way out and hitting 18, 19. We never see a team like this land on the podium. It's so rare. When was the last time a privateer team landed on the, on the podium? That will be in stat sheet later this week. Fantastic. I haven't got there yet. Okay. I need to do some serious research. Yeah, sounds like you do. But um, I'm just trying to find my extract from my interview so I can read you what he said about uh, Honda SR. So if you can... Yeah, well, actually, while you're... for a little bit. Well, while you're looking at that, the, the things which I, uh, you know, kind of found out and in, in, in kind of observed the weekend was that he seemed to have lost a lot of weight. Um, not that he was a chunky monkey before, but... Wow. Uh, this is what happens when I tell you to vamp for a little bit. <laughs> but um, I think he's lost quite, quite a bit of weight from tr- the order training he put into Le Touque. He looked a lot fitter. Well, that was just a lot of endurance training, so I guess that would come with that. Yeah. But this is what he had to say about uh, his support from Honda. Okay. I'll try and read this as fluently as possible. Can you read it in his accent? Because that would be quite cool. Uh, no, I can do two rider accents, not that. Oh, what, what two? Oh, I don't think I should say. No, I think you should. Would you like me to read this in Alessandro? No, can we, do the, can we do the, the, do, do the examples first? Everybody wants to listen no, to I the can't. examples. I can't. Maybe when we're on episode 100 and a bit comfier, but right now we're too early. Okay. We're too close to getting shut down. So he said, the problem is we have only got support from Honda France. We asked Honda Europe and they did not want to do anything. They had an offer for me to ride the English championship, but that is not what I want. It is a bit strange that they did not want to help me out. Even after today, if they want to start to help me, I will still just be with my team manager and stay here. What he did for me is so nice and so respectful. Maybe it will open some doors, but anyway, we have to see. I think that's pretty black and white, isn't it? Very. Very. And it's interesting that he almost shut down the fact that I know they're going to now want to help me. Yeah. But I'm staying loyal to these people. So, yeah. I mean, it's... I feel like I've just blown your mind because the expression on your face is like... I am blown. I am. You could have listened to this interview three days ago. Yeah, I hadn't had time. <laughs> no. I've been so busy traveling. But this, this interview in full is now up on MX Vice in audio and written. And Maybe. there's lots of stuff in here, like uh, his bike. I'll just find that one quickly. He's got A-kit suspension from the factory. It's not like the factory factory one. But somebody's supplying him factory yeah. for it. So well, probably not, technical it's touch. It's not factory factory. Technical it's, touch. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's good enough. They've bought parts from Pro Circuit, just a few. But his engine isn't special at all. Uh, it's a bit soft in the third gear. So that's one thing that he really wants to work on. That was the insight from Tommy Searle. Yeah, everyone, every rider I spoke to on a not full factory team is into their third gear this year. Oh, oh. Uh, before we move on, uh, I've done a little podcast with uh, Tommy the weekend. Why, why, why? Okay. Employee evaluation time. Yeah. Why does that come up now? That should come up when we talk about Tommy. It should do, 
but I was going to just mention that now to get people you know, motivated towards my podcast, where okay. I do it on my Back own. Back to Van Horvitz. So, uh, yeah, uh, it's got parts from Pro Circuit, the, Honda, uh, the engine's nothing special. But again, like Max Nagel, he was just amazed. Like, this is news to him, but a support team or a privateer team can put such a good machine together. Really? It's like, these, it's like when they're on a factory team, they're just in this bubble, and they don't realize what's out there. Like he said, his bike probably costs half, uh, less than half of a fa- full factory one. Yeah. But he said it's just as good, and he's happy and all of that. Wow. So, so for all those riders out there that are moaning about uh, what they've got, um, take a, a look at, well, you know, take, take the mindset of JVH. It just excites me now because, like, what can Strybos do when he returns? What can Brylyakov do on this European-only team that's kind of similar to Honda SR, yeah. if not got more support? Like, maybe this is going to start a resurgence of riders actually being interested in these teams, prolonging their careers, staying around longer. Like, this is a real story. Yeah. Well, we've got a problem next year because I think you told me, and I definitely didn't make this up myself, that there's 14 MX2 riders going up to MXGP next by the That was a number I heard. I think okay. it's around, yeah, around there, 10, 14. But yeah, this, it's just really interesting. But now the question's come up. Does this continue? I think we're going to see more smaller teams as the economy, you know, it's expensive at this level. So, you know, they're, they're going to have to find more economical ways of working. I think that. I don't think everybody needs someone to cut their toenails, massage their shoulders, and then another person, like a mechanic for practicing, a mechanic for uh, race day, then you need a, a, you know, another mechanic for race engines, then a mechanic to do ECU, then another mechanic, and, and so on and so on. Like, really? Do you need all these things to run a race team? Apparently not. But I feel like they, when they're in that factory bubble, they feel like they do. But of course they do, because that becomes normality to them. Yeah. If you try to take something away from me that I've become reliant on for my job, Hairdresser. like my laptop, I would be like, what the hell are you doing? I could probably get by with a notepad. Who knows? Like, it's kind of a weird comparison. <laughs> you get where I'm going. But anyway, the question that I actually meant before you decided to answer it without letting me <laughs> say it was, does Van Horbeck continue on this kind of level? Does he? I say... Maybe. <laughs> I won't wow. Say... <laughs> Put yourself out there. I, was gonna, I won't say no, but the past, what we've seen in the past... He's very good at the start. He's good at the start. He's good at flyaways. He's good in Argentina. So basically what you're saying, he gets bored midway through? I'm just saying, look at his results from round one, Qatar, Argentina, wherever it may be. It always seems to work out. Likes flyaways. 2017, Argentina was round three. He was on a podium there. What else did he do throughout 2017? Not a lot. Not saying that's how this is going to go, but just pump the brakes a little bit. We will see. Okay, so not but get he, too But he excited. said in his interview, this doesn't mean that England's going to go well. Really? <laughs> yeah. Sounds like interview's really good. I'm quite proud of it. Okay. Cool. You should really uh, read slash listen to it now yeah, on mxvice.com. But uh, yeah, so I'm not sure where this goes. Uh, before the weekend, I would have said that he would be in line to take a HRC spot if they need a fill-in at some point this year. That interview's thrown so many questions out there. So if so, let's just throw this out there. If Geyser, for some, you know, maybe his peak goes off and catches him in the eye or something. Um, but that's funny again. You're getting better at being funny, aren't you? Oh, thank you. Uh, so he's out. Who goes in? 
not GBH. You would say it would be Van Horvick, but that kind of sounds like... Because what happens no. to the team? The team have put all this effort in into getting to MXGP, and then their best rider just ups and goes. What happens to the team? Well, this is what's going to get interesting, because I imagine now Honda will start to pump some support their way. How? They've done, they've done their budget. Well, that is the issue. There's like, no contingency. There's it, no... Oh, they've just actually shut down Swindon, haven't they? So I'm guessing they're not going to find another 50,000 to pump into well, Van Well, this Horby. is the issue. Like, it's easy to read that interview and be like, wow, how can Honda do that? Their budgets were tied up in Assen last year. That was the beginning of September. Yeah. That was a long time ago. Like, they're probably already halfway through their budgets for 2020. Like, they can't magic money out of nowhere. So what do you expect them to do? But they, they can't do anything. Exactly. So it's not like... I'm sure they'd actually love to help him, especially now. And I'm sure there are conversations behind the scenes internally and between Honda and Honda SR about what they can do. But I'm just not sure how much they can do, whether Van Horbeek's going to accept it, whether Van Horbeek's happy with what he's got. Clearly it works. Well, here's one for you. Um, do you think that the budget doesn't come from Honda Europe, but maybe Japan steps in? Because that's a whole different budget. Yeah, but I don't think Honda Japan are going to get involved with that. They will do when they see results. Yeah. They're, they're a racing results. company. HRC. This is result. Okay, but HRC is a racing company. They don't care about anything else other than racing. They want race wins in in, in Would podiums. you not go to Honda Japan now and go, look, this Van Horbit guy who you've never heard of, he got third on a Honda, and they'll go, well, Tim Geiser got second. True. So he's got to beat Tim. Consistently. And okay. then I think that starts. But already, I feel like there's got to be some support flowing his way. Not sure how. Maybe just more bikes. Okay. Maybe he hasn't got, like, who knows? But there's uh, improvements he can make, which is interesting. Not very happy with his third gear. And because he didn't do much training for motocross, mainly beach races, intensity is where he was struggling. Like, he couldn't keep the pace up on the first four or five laps. So that's one thing he's gone away and working on. So that's really helped him. So here's a, uh, so if I was uh, going to take some insights, then um, start doing beach races in the winter. Well, this is another thing to consider. When was the last season that Van Horbeek actually had a great season? I don't know. You're the wrong person to ask. The last time that Van Horbeek actually had a Shall great season <laughs> was 2014. Okay. His first year on Yamaha. He was the only rider on Yamaha that, team, that year. Yeah. I feel like that situation works well for him. This Honda SR team is going to be all about him. He's got a point to prove. Van Horbeek is the type of guy he would love to show everyone who turned their back on him all of that, but they were wrong. I love no that. doubt about it. I feel like that motivation could be the thing that makes this season positive for him. Not on the level of 2014, because he was on the podium at over 75% of the races. That's ridiculous to expect. But I still think this could be positive. But he's got to stay healthy. That's been the thing that's holding him back in previous years. Okay. But again, that, there's no point even talking about that, because that's out of anyone's control. Who knows what will happen? Okay. But still, exciting and nice to see something different happen. One of the riders who... Um stood out for me this weekend uh, and probably didn't get the results to, to warrant, uh, you know, how well he done was um, DeSalle. I thought he looked really good. He chased down, he, he got two bad starts, chased down people. I, I, I liked what he done the weekend. What you're saying, his result doesn't reflect how well he rode. Yeah, he rode really well. I guess. I mean, but what do I know? It was just quiet, wasn't it? But then that's just him. I mean, it's nice of you to compliment him, considering that on the previous podcast you really didn't. <laughs> so, no, but uh, shows I, I, that you're objective, doesn't it? Well, and I was questioning his social media and his 
personality. Yes, not his riding capability. This is just right where DeSalle slots in, though, isn't it? He was quiet. He did his job. He finished. He finishes either on the podium or just off of it. This is just classic DeSalle. Again, similar to Crowley, similar to Geyser. This is what DeSalle does. He's, I maybe expected to see a bit of a bump with a 2019 Kawasaki, which everyone raves about. And just for situation with Hurlings out, I thought maybe that would push him a little more. But we will see. Matali's a good track for him. And I feel like Matali is a better track for him than Argentina is. So maybe he moves onto the podium there. Maybe he becomes the second best guy. Who knows? So speaking of Matali, um, people are going to go well there. I really want to introduce you to my podcast, which I done on my own, uh, which didn't include you, uh, with Tommy Sorrell. Uh, can I talk about why it doesn't include me? Uh, if you want to. Because people are go- I don't want people to feel like this interview reflects me. Okay, so this is the... Because it's quite unprofessional. Because it's just not very up there. No. It's no, like... It's not the usual standard. It's like the standard of MX Vice in 2012. Yeah, it's a throwback. It's, it's great, though. But the reason I wasn't in it, not because I was ditched, I was out, doing, I was out doing my 11 post-race podcast, which included Tommy. And then after I'd interviewed Tommy, you somehow got him again with your special equipment and decided to do another interview. Well, to be fair, when I said to Tommy, would you like to do a podcast? He said, it'd be really nice to do a podcast with somebody who knows what they're doing. To be fair, I'm surprised. I'm sure he was quite happy to not do an interview with me for once because I seem to interview him every single weekend. Well, actually, he does talk about you in this interview. So yeah, I'm not very happy about that. Have a listen. The MX5 Show. Right, MXGP podcast number two, here with uh, the main man, Tommy Searle. A great day for you, Tommy. Yeah, it's been a good day, uh, especially the second moto. I feel like it was one of my my best races in the past few years, so to get that out of the way in the first GP, really, really chuffed leaving here. Um, first one was also just not, not bad, but not great either, just a very average ride, sort of similar to what I'd done all last year. Um, and then I thought to myself, right, second race, go home happy, leave it all on the track, whether that be a, a 15th position or a fifth position, as long as I go home and I know I've, I've gave it everything I've got, then I can get on the plane happy. So that was the plan. And um, yeah, I came out the first turn up the front and I just sent it. Literally sent it? Yeah, no, I did. I, um, I was a bit winded after a few laps because I hadn't really gone that fast for a long time. And um, <clears throat> Yeah, but I was just slowing the waves. I got passed, I think, by everyone in the wave. So, um, yeah, I needed to commit a little bit more, but um, not as much as Febra committed in it, but like a, a happy medium. So not fully send it? No, not not fully send it. Like I want to send it enough that I come out the other side, but not, not, um, not as little as come out the other side of position down like I was doing a couple of times. So the only difference I can see from last year to this year is that you got married. So I'm pretty sure Soap's going to take all the credit yeah, of she, uh, this race. She might do. She, um, I borrowed someone's MXGP TV code because I didn't want to pay for that um, myself. So I managed to log in, but I think they kept trying to log in as well. So we were sort of like, I think there was a fight over it at home, like two different people <laughs> logging in. So she said she caught clips of the race, but only clips of it. Do you know who's the other person who was trying to log in? Uh, yeah, my auntie. <laughs> Your auntie. She's like number one super fan, so she'd have been fucking raging. <laughs> she would she be like swinging around the lampshade tonight? Yeah, she'd be really pissed off at that. Well, yeah. 
what the, the the wave section or happy and had a few beers tonight um who me no no auntie <laughs> oh auntie julie <laughs> um no, she'll be chuffed. She'll be fucking peaking after that ride. She's already texted me. Did she? Yeah, before I even got back to the pitch, she texted. Ah. She absolutely loves it. Nice one. Nice one, Annie Julie. Um, oh, she's going to love this and all this on a podcast. Oh, now. yeah. Oh. Get, get, tell her it's on the podcast. <laughs> Maybe we could get her on. No, no, you don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, looking forward, I mean, this is a great result for you today, but looking forward, we got Matterly, uh, a track which you've always done well on. Are you looking forward to that as round two? Yeah, really looking forward to Matley. I, I always like that track. Always like racing in England in front of the British fans. And um, I think it'd be a good race. Uh, I think with it being earlier in the season, there's a lot of negativity about it. Oh, it's too early. But I think if we have weather like the past couple of weeks, um, month even, then it's going to be a great race. The thing is, if you put it in the summer, you get good weather sometimes, but you still might have a bad bad weather. And then. Um, uh, the schoolboy riders, they like doing their own races. There's so many club events on in the summer that that a lot of people would rather race than go watch, which I understand because I never once watched a GP before I went to race one. So if my dad asked me, do you want to race? Or well, I don't think he even ever want, asked me if I wanted to watch a GP because he wasn't really interested either. So we'd always race. And um, I think a lot of people feel the same. They'd rather go, especially when they're in a championship. Um, it may be their local championship. And to us, you think, oh, why don't they come? But it means a lot. It means a lot to them when they're, that's their thing. And some people miss the GP, whereas this year, this year it's early, so the championships haven't started. So you always see us Hawkstone how busy that is uh, for the same reason. So I think, and I hope that it's a really good turnout for Steve. Yeah, I do as well. I mean, we're, we're really hoping that there's going to be a good crowd there. I mean, Steve deserves it. And without him putting in the effort, in the time, in the money, we wouldn't have a British GP. Yeah, so um, I agree 100%. The bloke's a chopper, but um, <laughs> you fair play to him. No one else, uh, no one else puts one on, and um, it's a massive risk. He says he loses money every year, but I'm not not too sure. You can't run it for 10 years and lose money every year. There's some, there's some being made, but um, yeah, fair play for always putting it on year after year through the bad years, the good years. It's the same like his team. He, he's always there. He has bad years. He has good years. And um, he's a very, very positive person, probably the most positive person you'll ever come across. Um, and that's why he can he can continue running it every single year because most people would pack the towel in yeah. and just say, well, no one appreciates it, so I'm not going to bother. But yeah, he doesn't care. He carries on year after year. And, uh, yeah, fair play for that. Nah, that's cool. So um, if you're a listener <laughs> to this podcast and you think about coming to the British GP, then uh, get your ass there because um, it's going to be a good day. Tommy's now on fire, so um, and probably Auntie Judy could be going. <laughs> we, you know, she's going to be there. So if you don't want to meet Tommy, then there's always Auntie Julie. So um, yeah, so we'll see you at the British GP. Will we, Tommy? Yeah, no. I hope a lot of people come out. We'll be good. Um, I'm going to improve a few things before then with the team and the bike, but um, so I'm really looking forward to it. I suppose I better talk to you about the team and the bike, really. Is um, that Annette Julie? No, it's my dad. Oh, okay. I'll answer that in a bit. Yeah. He's blown me up three times, but... Is that a pat on the back from dad? <clears throat> no, yeah, he'll be chuffed. He, will, he wasn't really that... Uh, he wasn't really that happy with the first race. He don't say a lot, really, but now he he talks about it a little bit more. He just still, oh, what was up? It's just riding round, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, so he'll be happier. Oh, that's cool. Well, um, thanks a lot for your time, and... Um, 
appreciate it and I look forward to seeing the British GP is that it finished already well we can stay on for a little bit longer if you want how long you got I've got a bit of team are loading up their van they're loading up the oh, box stay here then because you'll be doing that <clears throat> I'll just sit over there anyway so I might as well sit here yeah sit there right what do you want to talk about um, how's married life yeah that's good yeah. it's all going well um, not really a lot much happening I've just been riding in Spain um, as everyone else is getting ready yeah was that like a mini GP at Red Sands no there, weren't, there was like a lot of 250 riders but not not many 450 riders did you smoke them no, actually I didn't, no. Oh. So, when you go there, you feel great until you go on the Red Sands track and it's a real big wake-up call first day. I was getting blown by everyone. Actually, a 125 passed me, one I didn't even know him. I was honestly in six seconds a lap slower than... Than a 125? No, than every 250, like, a Comrade Muse were there, first day, six seconds faster every lap. And then I didn't even ride the main track after that for a week. Did you I just, just said, I'm not going on it. Yeah, fuck it. But then the team came and I'd done testing and then we set the bike up suspension was better and then um, then I went back on the main track I was a new man cool so like you said there, the suspension's spot on absolutely yeah. brilliant and the suspension is very again. good um, I'm really really impressed with the boss suspension obviously coming into the with it being a new team and it's not a new brand but it's not it's not as well known as uh, Kayaba or Shower which is what I've used my whole career, or obviously WP when I was at KTM, and actually one year on a Cowie. But um, so, boss, I was, as anyone would be, a little bit hesitant um, with how that was going to be. But this weekend, I've not made one change to suspension all weekend. I think uh, we can get it better, but that's one thing that they're very, very good at there, as they should be, because that's their, that's what they do. They make suspension, but they're very clever. Olivier de Boss is, is very clever, and. Um, also other parts with the bike like we have different linkages uh, different uh, front axle um, a few different things they want to try they're very yeah into that sort of like Dixon into engines on a 250 they're into chassis parts okay. um, but no the, the, the chassis was really good but we need to work on the the engine now which we knew coming into this weekend we was a little bit behind and um, we actually had a, a standard engine this weekend um, with just some cams in it and uh, I could feel that out on the track I think we're at a little bit of altitude here so it was quite slow um, but then at the same time I got really good start so I think when we, we get the engine we're half a matterly we need to make sure that we don't do something that yeah that makes it harder to get off the start I think off that grid where it is quite slow it, it does drive we just need a little bit more um, up the start straight and especially today they didn't rip the start straight at all which I think played into my hands a lot um, because I got two good starts one in the heat race one in the, the second race and probably better starts than I had most of last year so um, oh yeah on one hand the engine was quite slow we just need a little bit more in third gear um, and then but on the other hand I got two good starts so we need to figure out why it's so much better with that with the engine how it was um, and when I say slow it's not like if I was riding around this track on my own like I do at home practicing I'd say yeah the engine's meant lovely because it's just a good a good standard engine but when you're starting next to factory bikes and in the race with them if I make a, a mistake I'm sort of going down the second gear to get going again and then I get past where I, I can see they're in third and they have that little bit more power to to pull through but the team know that and um, I think after a good result in that second race or just I showed a lot of speed that 
um, it motivates them a lot as well, so it's nice to go away with um, more motivation for me and for them. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, one thing about your team as well is that there's, there's a good and a bad thing, and, and the good thing is that you've um, got Bobby as your um, teammate, yeah. and obviously, uh, well, the bad thing is that he's injured, but I guess... That's kind of good in a way because last year you punted him off the track a few times. Yeah, I did. Only once, really bad. Um, but Bobby's absolutely sound. He's probably one of the favourite teammates I've ever had. Yeah. Um, really laid back. Um, he's just absolutely sound, to be fair. That's and, cool. Uh, it's just shit. He's been injured really shit because he, he worked hard with me in physical training over the winter and uh, we was planning on riding together a lot in Red Sands. He was there the day before and he actually crashed his first day riding in Red Sand, so he's had an absolute nightmare. He's tried to get ready riding a few times. He hasn't really been on the bike a lot. I think he's done probably six days. He, he's really tough, I think. When he says he's painful, his wrist is really painful because yeah. if he stops in a race, then there's a reason for stopping. Otherwise, he, um, he tapes it up and, and carries on. So there's obviously a problem there, but hopefully it's not. It doesn't take him too long to carry on or too long uh, to heal up and he's back soon because I really enjoy having Bobby as a teammate. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, I spoke to him earlier today and he said that um, basically he just needs to rest. He said every time he gets back on the bike, it's like it, it starts to hurt. He just needs to give the, the, the wrist rest. He's, he's gone to uh, medical experts. There's nothing wrong with the wrist. He just needs to no, give I didn't it time. Know. Yeah, he's been to probably six different doctors. As you do, you always want to go somewhere else. I've been in the same position and he's had a lot of tests, but they, yeah, they say... We can't really see what's wrong. If it's painful, then you can't ride, but um, it must be really painful if he's not riding. Cool. And the other thing I seen the other day was uh, you have a baby. Oh. So I thought that was quite sort of kept under under wraps because uh, I thought, you know, you just got married and now you've got a, a baby. I thought it took nine months. <laughs> no, it's quicker than that. Is it? No, I don't know. That's my sister's, sister's little baby, um, Lola. Lila, uh, or Lila or Lola, I think it's Lola. Um, so she came up, so it was really nice. Mum and sister come out, and um, yeah, they came to the track, watched me ride. I was trying, to, I was practicing starts actually this week, so they they must have helped a lot. Yeah. I, I haven't practiced any. No race last week in France. Got terrible starts. Had one day practicing starts this week, and um, yeah, it's paid off. Cool. And uh, I'm sure you've probably heard the rumours um, that Shanghai is probably going to be moved to a little bit later on in the season. No, I don't, no, any oh, I don't talk to many people, do I? I probably shouldn't have said that. Okay, so you're probably going to want to... So that's put... news? You're just letting that news out? or I don't know. I don't know if it's announced yet. I don't know. Maybe. I'm not fussed anyway. I don't even know when that race is now. So. Oh. Well, from what I've been told is that you can probably take April off, so I'd book something nice for you. And so... April off? Yeah, just take it off. Was that race in April then? That, well, I think so, yeah. Lewis is the expert. We haven't got the expert here. No. He'd be annoying people when he was in microphone. Oh, he'd be pits. running around, wouldn't he? Was... Oh, I'll get in there, you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Loves it, doesn't he? No, he's good. No, he's good. Without, he's probably holding MX Vice together, really, isn't he? To be honest, he is the only person holding MX Vice together. I mean, what, you got four of you here? Yeah. Dossing about, and then Lewis. Yeah. Lewis running around like headless chickens. Yeah, and you're all in here. Yeah. One's eating a Kit Kat. Yeah. One's listening to his iPod. Yeah. 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 Look at that smile. <laughs> it was. Yeah. No, but Lewis has done well, really, getting MX Vice to where it is today. Yeah. Can you believe that? He nearly went to Racer X. Did he? Yeah. 
you'd have had to just fold the company, wouldn't you? I would have just gave up, mate. <laughs> Maybe you could have come in. Oh, I don't think so. No? No, I'm not really good at my talking on that. Uh, I, I think you've done all right. What do you like at articles? Can you write an article? No. I didn't go to school very much. Okay. Very much, that, that's what I mean. That's uh, my language. Very often. Uh, I went a bit. I used to have like one day a week off to write. Oh, and then cool. even if I didn't ride, I'd say to my mum, well, I haven't rode this week, so I've still got one day off. <laughs> so now I just have the Friday off. <laughs> Mum would be like, well, yeah, I suppose. You have to be a bit... Teachers will wonder what's happening if you go every That's day. That's right. I like that. What did you used to do on your day off? To ride. Just Even if I didn't go ride, I'd just ride a minibike at home. Oh, did you? Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we had a little bit of land in the garden, so I just used to ride. I just used to ride a lot. Really. Sometimes when I go back to school... I went to America a couple of times for like four weeks and then um, they'd like introduce me as a new new student in the school. So oh, you're back. Got a new kid in the class. It's called Tommy. Yeah, but no one even knew. I just didn't even say. I'd just be like, yeah, I've been on holiday. No one didn't. No, no one knew. No one, no one really cared, yeah. So I didn't tell them. Oh, that's cool. Well, they wouldn't have cared anyway. Yeah. I was 13. I was like, I was like, it's like for me at school. I think you can tell by the way I talk. Yeah, you can. No, you can. Yeah. Okay. I think we better wrap it up there. All right. Well, Brilliant. Yeah. Thanks Check for your time. This over then before posting it because it's terrible. Just probably just give it a miss. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm really sorry if if you got bored out there with just us two talking, but it's kind of what we wanted to do because Tommy would have had to pack a bike away. So. No, I wouldn't. Have, I'd have just sat there. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have. Well, I just watched him. Yeah. Uh, just sat on my phone or something. Yeah. Took photos of him. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have done that. Do you ever point out like what they're doing wrong? No, I just take it all in and sit there. Really. Okay, you got to rest. I mean, you've done your work. No, I've done. I have done my work today. I feel good. I'm going home quite happy. I'm gonna go rent mountain bikes. I think in the morning. Really? Yeah. It looks quite nice, doesn't it? Riding around here, the lakes and that. Yeah. But I'm not flying until four o'clock, so I think I will um, rent a bike. Um, I I was seeing if. Like, I could go with friends, but I haven't really got many friends out here, so I'll probably just do it on my own. Well, we would hang around with you, but we've got to start our 66-hour journey back. Yeah, I have a long... I've got to stop in Madrid. Oh, cool. We're going to Germany. I went to Germany on Monday because, like I said, I booked my um, my flight from France um, on March the 25th instead of February the 25th. Oh. So then I went to the airport, couldn't check in, and then I had to book a flight to Berlin. Spent a day in Berlin before flying home to... Did you do anything nice in Berlin? No. I just no? sat in the airport for three hours. Really? I actually had a um, wiener schnitzel. A wiener schnitzel? Ah, is that the big long sausage? No. Oh. Um, I think the wiener schnitzel is the chicken, breaded chicken. Is it? Uh, maybe not. I don't know. I think Can it's you have rice chicken. with that? No. I was at the airport, so the, the rice was extra, and I was like, no I way, I've done like... I spent 400 quid just getting home when I should have just, I already had a flight book. So I just had a wiener schnitzel on its own. Good. Right then, that's it then. Thanks yeah. very much for your time, really appreciate it. That's probably you. the best podcast in the world, uh, which you're going to be able to listen to right now. Well, actually, on you Wednesday. Listen, no, you can listen to it. Oh, if yeah, they, they, yeah, they would have listened to it, wouldn't they? Yeah, listen to it. Ah, oh, shit, I'm really pissed at that, am I? I'm not very good at this. <laughs> no, me either. So, yeah. so yeah. I hope you've enjoyed listening to it. Is what yeah. I should say. Yeah, oh yeah. I hope you enjoyed listening to Tommy Sorrell and myself. Yeah. Thank you very much. Say bye, Tommy. <laughs> <laughs>
BMX What did you think of that? Absolutely disgusting. Disgusting is not really the right word. Terrible. Really? That was very professional. I, I just... There's a reason why I stopped letting you touch stuff. This is why. This is why. What? I thought it was very good. There's a lot of insights there. If anyone feels like they've just wasted a lot of their time and really wants to actually find out what Tommy thought of the race, there's my podcast with Tommy on MX Vice at the moment. And there's actually stuff in there that you'll learn. Including an impression of Lewis. That's your one, not in my one. Oh, And I'm yeah. not sure what that was about either. That was fantastic. So I think we need there more. There is going to be some serious words in Matt Basin. I think we need more Tommy. I can't disagree with that. Maybe more Tommy and less you. I can't, I can't disagree with that either. <laughs> I'm more happy. Tommy and a lot less you. I'm happy with that. So, uh, Tommy, if you want to do uh, once a week, it's absolutely fine. And if you want to do none a week, that is also absolutely fine. <laughs> I, like I said, I am ready to quit. Thank God for that. Right. So. Mr. Searle. Oh, you actually want to talk about him now? Of course. I Probably? Thought, yeah. Oh, you can use all the insight that you learned in that interview about his race, because obviously you now know a lot and you've got a lot to offer now. Well, I think it'd only be fair if I asked you. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Mr. Searle, the weekend, what did you think? Well, last week I predicted that he gets on the podium this year, and I'm liking where I'm at with that prediction. It was... Well, I think it was about as well. The second moto was about as good as a first round as he could ask for. And he was in, uh, was it fifth for quite Fourth. for a considerable time? Fourth. Fourth? Yeah, he just kept getting passed in the waves by Max, DeSalle, and Paulin. He actually lost sixth on the last lap, I think. And yeah, he lost two positions on the last lap. Paul and. No, only one position on the last lap. Two. On the last lap? Yeah. Paul and DeSalle. Pretty sure they both passed him in the waves on separate laps. Did they? Pretty sure. Because mm. he told me that the only place he got passed was on in the waves. Yeah, but then he also said that he didn't want to end up like, you know, other people crashing in the waves. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying that they, he said they both passed him in the waves, which would mean they would have to have been on separate laps. Therefore, not both on the last lap, like you're saying. Yeah, but also he's saying that he went through the waves at that speed so that he's still there for round two. Cool story. He had a standard engine too, which I'm sure... Well, he said it didn't wasn't the reason for him getting passed in the waves, but it can't have helped, obviously. No, I, th- I think he was, he, as we said uh, earlier with some of the MX2 riders, they, they, they rode smart. There's no massive conspiracy theory with a standard engine either. They just ran out of time in testing. And same old story as a few other teams at Matley Basin, they'll be much improved. He actually rode with a race engine on the Wednesday before Argentina, and he's going to run it at Fat Cat in a race situation for the first time. What, what did he say about the race engine? What Did he say that about in your podcast? Yes. Probably should listen to that then. Yeah, so he's, he rode it with it for the first time on the Wednesday before Argentina. And he's using it uh, in Fat Cat this weekend. Okay. Because uh, in Fat Cat, when Tommy's doing the British Championship, Evotech are going to effectively run like the British portion of the, bus, uh, the boss team. Yeah. So he'll be doing a lot of work with Matt uh, from Evotech. Good guy. Very smart. Good guy. Really Maybe like one of the smartest people in the uh, British pits. Yeah. So I'm sure that Matt will help Tommy a lot and that will only uh, be an advantage when he returns to GPs. I still want it. Podium this year. Podium this year. do miss Evotech in the British Championship. Well, they're Just effectively me? back now. Well, yeah, they are. Yeah. But, I, you know, look at back at the time when oh, yeah, they had Nathan cool Watson. Team. It was a great team. Do you remember their truck that year? Yeah, it was sick. Sick. It, no, it was. Honestly, it, it was cool. Yep. 
I can't disagree with that. <laughs> okay, let's move on from that then. We got all excited. <laughs> but no, it was a good ride for Tommy. I can honestly cannot remember the last time he was in top three off a start. Uh, do you know what surprises me? What? Like how many haters he has. Oh, have you seen Twitter? It's ridiculous. There is one guy who is like adamant that Tommy is the worst rider in the world. Like, at, like, And Tommy's even talking to him and he's still adamant. Fair play to the guy. Because most riders, well, like once a rider gets involved, most guys back down. Yeah. This guy is holding strong. Yeah. Well, you know, we, we've all got our own opinions, but I, I do think, I, I still think he's like, I think he'll get his first MXGP podium this year. I think it'll happen. His first official podium. He was actually on the podium in his rookie year in Sweden, I think, in third overall, but it got taken away from him because he jumped on a yellow flag. Ooh. He actually stood on a podium, I think, if my memory serves me right. Did they drag him down? Yeah, pretty much. Wow. <laughs> if, I, if I obviously I wasn't there because I was uh, unemployed at that time. Uh, okay. well, actually, not unemployed in school. But if I remember right, he was actually on the podium and they took him down. Wow. So the last time Tommy got on a podium, you were at school? Yes. <laughs> wow. Okay. That's an eye-opener, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> How long ago was that? 2013. Okay. So this is the year. I think it will happen. Well, if you get seven... Ooh, you nearly dropped it. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. If you get seventh in a moto and run fourth for over half it's going to happen isn't it yeah and that battle with Max in a second moto was really good I hope they showed it on TV because it was great to watch yeah no really good and that takes us on nicely to Mr. Anstey who looks really good like really good what happened in the first race I think it was an exhaust issue okay so completely bike like it wasn't he didn't crash out or anything like that there's nothing to be worried about ah okay I thought he crashed oh no he did crash but that wasn't the reason for the DNF okay his bike I think the bike started having problems before the gate had even dropped Oh, okay. But that's exactly the same as Caroli. Uh, in the qualifying race, Caroli's bike was already um, not right from before the gate drop. He's one of these start. mysterious things that we're not allowed to say because Hence, it's uh, big secrets. Yeah, and that's why Caroli had such a bad start in the qualifying race as well. Why don't teams ever just say it was this? Because I'm sure in some cases teams don't actually know, but I don't want to admit that. So you're saying they don't know what they're doing? Oh, no, I think... <laughs> I know I know what the problem was, but... What is the problem? I don't think I'm allowed to say. Okay. Because I've got, I, don't, I had it from a top secret source. So. Oh. Yeah. I'm not even allowed to tell you, really. Oh, pit lane source. I learned stuff in pit lane. Yeah. Talk okay. to the right people. But yeah, Matt, no, Max looked really good. Like, ignoring the results, ignoring the times, all of that, just watching him, like yeah. purely watching him go around the track, he looks really good. Maybe better than I saw him ride all last year. Right. So I'm quite excited, actually, to see what, where he goes from here because I think it could be really good. Yeah. So podium? Oh, of course. Yeah, that's not even a question. Cool. Cool. Multiple. Again, got three last year, three, uh, three the year before that. So three again, if not more. Okay. But yeah, I'm, there's nothing to be concerned about there. And no worries at all. should do a notable mention to Sean Simpson with the craziest score to get eighth overall. What, 11-9 for yeah. eighth overall? How did, how, yeah. That's, that's, is it just me or is that? Well, it's happened before, isn't it? Okay. And it'll happen again. Okay. But once again, Tommy and Simpson locked side by side in the overall results. Yeah. They just makes... can't get away from each other. And they'll be locked side by side in the overall results at Fat Cat this weekend as well. Yeah. I mean, where do you see that going? What? Are we, what, the British Championship? No, I mean this weekend. Who do you, oh. who do you think is going to come out on top? Who's your money on? I haven't really given it much thought, to be honest. But now that you uh, pose a question and uh, setting my cogs working in my mind, I think I'll go with Tommy. Okay. 
purely cool. based on the fact they have an improved engine. Yeah. And likes Fat Cat. Yep. Spent a fair bit of time there. A lot of time. I feel in that it's going to be a Tommy win. Okay. Right. Yep. Um, so Sean done, done well. Yep. Solid, which is what he does. Again, first, first GP back on new machinery yep. and new team. First GP for that team even. Yeah. So I think this isn't really too dissimilar to what we had at the end of last year, like we've been saying. So this was to be expected. He can do a bit better than that. He will do better than that. And yeah, this is solid Sean Simpson. That's, this is just what he does when he's healthy. Cool. And let's go on to, our, to his former employers um, who had an existing rider who was missing last year and also a new rider. Do you think they were happy? And that, uh, that Wilvo Yamaha or Monster Energy? Wilvo Ra- Yamaha. Is it Racing MX- Wilvo Yamaha? No. No? What's the official title? What, you think it's called Monster Energy Racing? I don't know. You obviously don't know. It's Monster Energy Wilvo Yamaha MXGP. Try saying that after three points. You, you just did. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I, I did go out, but it wasn't to the pub. Uh, Paulin was very good. Uh, yeah. This is Paulin thinks that he rode the way he rode in Argentina was the best he has rode since 2014. Wow! Apparently, he hasn't had this feeling. Don't know what this feeling I told you, is. I told you rewind to last week. This feeling that he's got with Wilvo, he hasn't had it since 2014, which was his last year with KRT. Wow, I'm telling you. So he's effectively written off his two years at HRC and Husqvarna. Yeah. Even though he won GPs with both <laughs> things, both teams he won GPs with, but apparently this feeling wasn't there. Okay. But uh, like we mentioned earlier, he thinks he can improve. There is something he's struggling with on the bike, but he's going to fix before Matterley. So it'll be interesting to see where this goes from here. But just moving from dead last to fifth in that second race on a track that no one seems to be able to make progress on, is an achievement in itself and kind of says something. Weird that he can come, weird that in the first race, he like started fifth, finished fifth, and then in the second race, he came from dead last to fifth. No? Like, a bit weird? Yeah, it is weird, yeah, when you say it like that. Yeah, because like, surely then in that would have gone. Yeah, the first race, he would have gone yeah. first, yeah. Weird. But no, positive. I'm not sold that this is going to be like an incredible season for him. I'm on the bandwagon. Did you, you said he'd win a GP. Yeah. I, I said I, he wouldn't. Yeah, uh, you're okay, regretting that, aren't you? No, I'll stick with that. Really? Yep. Even with his feelings? Yep. His feelings make him sound like... <laughs> <laughs> I won't say that. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no. It's all good. I think he's got multiple podiums. I just don't think he wins a GP. Uh, he's he's going to win one. Okay, cool story. Yeah. I liked uh, his kit as well. His kit looked good. And the bike looks awesome. The bell helmets look cool as well. Yeah. The shape of the bell helmets is better than most other helmets. And the visor stays on with those ones. Did you see that the, the factory Yamaha is black? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes, I did. <laughs> yeah. I also saw that in September when they first pulled the covers off the bike. Yeah. Oh, that's the first time I've seen it. Nice. <laughs> you actually... <laughs> I actually can't believe you just said that. Literally yeah. in shock. Yeah. In shock. I like it. Keep it. Yep. This yeah. is a discussion that most people had in September. Yeah. Weird how they called it Blue Crew, but they've got a black bike. So do we call it the Black Crew? Did you notice that Ben Watson was on a black bike at Hawkstone? No. You genuinely didn't? No, I thought it was on a blue one. Wow. You are colorblind. I am. But it's not with blues and blacks, is it? True story. It's not with blues and blacks. No, reds and greens. Yeah, so no excuse. Yeah. Well, I haven't been tested for the rest. Still, I just can't. But I, where do we go from you not knowing what color well, the just, Yamahas are this year? We'll just add that to the rest of the things I don't know. Satonus. You wanted to talk about him. Actually, someone said that Ricky Gervais would know more about motocross than me. I think that Lamp would know more about motocross than you. That was harsh. 
That was harsh. That was fucking harsh. That was harsh. harsh. That was harsh. Yeah. Right. You wanted to talk about Tonus? Yes. The floor is yours. Okay. Uh, Have you seen his crash? No. You haven't seen his crash? No. Is there there anything you have seen or no? (laughs) Can you give us anything? We're just looking for something. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. So my observations from the weekend is that Argentinians like steak. Keep talking a minute. I've got an idea. Okay. Uh, Argentinians like steak. Uh, They have cool rider names like Salazar. Okay. I mean, we have like a a Smith in a Thomas in the UK, which is pretty cool. You know, uh, somebody Smith. But I like if I was going to be a rider, I want to be called Salazar. Because it'd be like a, a Colombian drug dealer rider. Everybody would be scared. Okay, cool story. I'm just trying to find uh, the video Salazar. of Tonus's crash because I feel like if we can get a live reaction on the air, that'll be quite interesting. It's giving me two seconds here. Two seconds. Okay. Uh, well, that's two. We're bored now. No, I've got, I've got the video. This is it. You're, we're going to get your live reaction on the air. Okay, if it's better be worth it. Ah, uh, well, it depends on what your is, reaction's going to be. Do you here think everybody else has seen the crash? Everyone's seen the crash. Okay. Here we go. Press right. and play. Okay. Now. Blow my mind. Oh, yeah, okay. I didn't see it. Oh, wow. Wow. That's why I didn't see it, because I was looking at the two people going over the jump. I thought that was one of them. What are you saying? Wait, oh, you mean you didn't see it just now? Oh, no. This person. If anyone, uh, we're now ex- get, accepting CVs for podcast host. Okay, now I know I'm look, supposed to be looking at yeah, right, that right, one. I follow go. that one. I was just following the other two. I was in, okay, okay. It's in racing mode. Let's talk. More watch. Okay, right. Uh, so he's just about to approach a jump. And what, what was he doing? Looks like he just fell off. Yes, that, that is what happens. He fell off of his bike. That is, okay, we're going to, I didn't realize we had to go this simple. When, the, when a rider crashes, that means the rider you, falls off of the bike. How do you crash before a jump? He went off the track a bit too wide. Oh, rider out. Ragged old. Rider out. Well, that wasn't worth it he, at all. He did the look reaction a bit, was terrible. He did look a bit beaten up when he did come through pit lane. Oh, he was very beaten up. Yeah. But came amazingly came back for 10th uh, in Moto2. To be fair, I'm, I'm quite surprised he went out in Moto2. To be fair, if he got injured in that crash, then that would have been literally the worst case scenario going. Can you imagine? Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, that would, that's not good for the confidence. Like, how do you even, like... Come back from put that. Put a sugar coat... How do you sugarcoat that? You don't. That is just terrible. But he's, he'll live to fight another day. And yeah. maybe he'll finish both motos at Matley. But uh, he did look really good all weekend, apart from, obviously, that crash. Which I mean, I didn't really see. good. Might be stretching it. He looked good. Hey, come on. Give him some credit. Really good? Like, what define really good? Well, you know, it looked like he came out swinging straight in free practice, time practice, straight away. I mean, check his times. Yeah. I'm not lying. Yeah, I'm saying, look good. Where were you the weekend? Looks good. Really good? Eh? What, for someone who's been out 18 months? 100%. Well, he has been riding all off-season. Well, he's not been racing, has he? He's not been racing all off-season. There was this thing called the Italian Championship and this thing called La Capelle. It's not racing. Okay. Let's see if we can throw you a softball that you'll actually uh, have something about. Jazakonis. I think you mean catch. It's the whole kettle thing in it and fish. Right, crack on, crack on. Whole softball. You're going on about softball now? Yeah. We American? Yeah. Who even plays softball? I'm not even sure I know what softball is. Exactly. I don't even know where you get that from. Right, move on quick. Uh, Jazakonis. What's to do? 8-8 eight, eight for sixth overall. Who the hell thought he got sixth overall? Like, well, I, did, I don't know. I'm so confused. Oh, no. 
No, because... Jet lag, by the way, we got back from Argentina, like... Yeah, I'm not punch drunk. Three hours ago? Yeah. So jet lag is quite real. Yeah. Uh, so be, maybe James will be better next week. I can't remember last week if I was a fan of Jazakonis and you were like... I said you expected biggest, more? I said he'd be the biggest disappointment of the year. Well, you can't be disappointed with Sith overall. So I you were wrong, wouldn't you? Well, he was 8-8, so that's not... But Sith overall. It was good. I'll give him that. Yeah. <laughs> I, I can't disagree that Sixth overall isn't something to be happy about. Yeah. It was still a bit of a... But it was, and he, was, he was eighth, but he wasn't like up there eighth. He was eighth. It wasn't like he was eighth, but pushing fifth and sixth, though. He, he didn't get the starts. Well, okay. But I'm still, just saying, he didn't get the starts. I'm that just wondering, doesn't alter my view either way. Do you think if he starts in the top three, he stays in the top three? No. <laughs> Uh, nope. What, wow. Okay. Do you want to expand on that? Nope. Just I don't think that happens. Okay. Should we just move on? Yep. I don't think that happens. Okay. I don't think that happens. And I actually I shouldn't stand by that, but I, I don't think that happens. I think uh, he doesn't uh, get a podium this year. Really? He doesn't get a podium this year. Well, you, is that because you do th- maybe one race he finishes on? The what pit. you're talking about, Moto? Yeah, Moto. Yeah, I'm talking overall podium. He doesn't okay. get on the overall podium at all this year. Yeah, I think he, I think he he gets in top three in a, in a race. Yeah, in a Moto that could happen. But putting two together. Latvia? I doesn't get on a podium this year. Okay. As long as you're sure about that, it's fine. Prove me wrong, AJ. Prove me wrong. I can knock you out. <laughs> uh, that's a scary thought. Yeah. Well, actually, I think I'm waiting for a mudder where he can actually just pick the bike up and run around with it. <laughs> that's, again, you, I don't know if it's because of a jet lag, but you made me laugh three times. Uh, yeah, there must be shit jokes. Yeah. Um, what about his teammate, Jonas? I think that's what we expect from Jonas. He's... I was more impressed by Jonas when I watched Jazakonis. Yeah, his speed looked good. Really good. Like, yeah. for five laps, he had it. Yeah. So, I'm like, once he gets up to speed, gets more bike time under his belt, I think he'll be really good. And I do like that kit. You said that already. I know, but I've got to emphasize that uh, I do once like again, that kit. It was completely white, so. Yeah, it was good. I like it. I don't. They look like snowtroopers on bikes. You don't even know what snowtroopers, do you? No, I haven't got a clue. It's called Star Wars. It was this big film out. Right. Yeah. So like a franchise now. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. Uh, one person who did look good on the Saturday, but w- went under the radar was Lupino. You think? Yeah, definitely. I kind of have no. Yeah, I remember in early timings he was he was fast. I kind of have no like real feelings about his weekend at all. I just thought it was a bit meh. Okay, but then I don't know. Define no, what I... isn't meh for him. Well, Wait, so you're saying he was good in time practice? Yeah, he was free practice. He was seventh. Yeah. And at one point, he was actually leading. He was the fastest person on track. I'm sure I yeah, but didn't drink and I didn't make, make that up. Had Lazardi got on track first, he would have been the fastest at one point. No, he wouldn't. Yeah, he would. If no. he got on a track first and completed a lap first, he would. he would have been at the top of the times. Is he even riding? Where you, is he? You were the one who said his name. No, I thought you went Lazardo. No, oh my days. That's Luzardi. Oh, my, yes, what I said, Lazardi. Yeah, I don't think you said that. Did I you say that, Rob? I said Lazardi. Uh, Rob's shaking his head. I said Lazardi. He fucking didn't. I said, obviously, oh my days. He's just making shit up now. The last MX5 show. Well, it's the last one I'm on, because I'm not doing this anymore with you. No, <laughs> shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've had enough. Oh. Now, give me something. You Give me something. Lieber. What did you think of Lieber's no, performance the weekend? The floor is yours. Say something that'll make you feel better. No, you can't just bring it back like that. Who knew that Lieber got two hole shots? Like, watching the races, it did not look like he got two hole shots at all. Really? Like, uh, I couldn't, 
where was I the weekend? <laughs> what the hell's going on? <laughs> I, I genuinely I no actually, I'm, it's like I've got amnesia. <laughs> I actually have no words. Yeah. I genuinely Tell me more about this GP we went to. <laughs> oh, how am I supposed to work with this? I'm sorry. I'm sorry, it's just not bringing the form today. But yeah, no, his qualifying race was really good. I was impressed by that, and that's kind of in line with what I think he can do on certain weekends. Yeah. Like, I do believe he on certain weekends he can be top five podium, or certain days even, but not all the time. And even a seventh in Moto1 was really good. Like, that's good enough for him. Yeah. So, all good. I don't think there's any problems there, anything to really to report. He's just kind of doing what Julian Lieber does. Two hole shots is impressive, though. Okay, so we should go through to uh, my MX manager. Uh, rider Ivo Monticelli. If we've done Monticelli, should we do him again? Nope, I don't okay. think we need to. You were disappointed. You really thought, disappointed. You thought that he'd be pushing top five. I did. I said that he was pushing top five before he dropped back. And yeah, we covered Monticelli. Okay. There is one we're missing though. Bevra. Anyway, he was looking great. He was looking really, really good. Mm. I think I seen a, a Yamaha video online or something about how great he. He's feeling and something like throwing it back to 2016. Yeah. I'm, I'm just saying what I've I seen. was disappointed. Really? By the first moto. Okay. Because he was hanging on to Crowley and then suddenly wasn't. And even before his crash, he was right there and then he wasn't. Did you see how fast Geyser was through the waves? Uh, I don't think so. I saw him <sighs> headbutt the jump after the waves. <laughs> I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez! You shouldn't laugh at that. I'm not. I just, he could have been seriously injured. Well, you're the one who's laughing. I, mean, I, was, I was just saying. Did you see how fast he was? He didn't, was amazing. He didn't really catch my eye through that. No, he was. He was on the level. So good. So fast. Obviously, too fast after it. But um, we we're talking about Pepper anyway. <laughs> yeah, I know. But what else do you say? Well, I just. Well, it's all irrelevant now, isn't it? He's out for. Two months with a broken talus in his I th- ankle. I think he's going to be more. But talus is quite a complicated injury as far as I know. Weirdly, uh, the official statement from Yamaha says that he's got surgery scheduled for the 12th of March, yeah. which is next Tuesday. But he put on Instagram that he's trying to seek out different opinions to see if surgery is actually necessary. Really? Yeah. Okay. Not sure what that means, but... so. Is that, are we doing alternative medicine? Maybe get some rocks on there and stuff like that? I'm not sure. Okay. Uh, but yeah. So, but either way, it seems like he's going to be out for two months at least. Question. He should take CBD or everybody's doing that. Question. Do Yamaha get a fill-in? And is Valentin Guio about to return to MXGP in blue? What, on a factory bike? I'm just saying. If they need a fill-in, where are they going to go? Hmm. Because on that note, I don't think they can rely on Seaware at the moment. I think he had a lung infection in the off-season. And that's his... Uh... I thought something was up and I couldn't get to the bottom he, of it he before just this didn't, weekend. He didn't look the rider because he was last year. This is how I know. This is how I kind of... This is what let me... Uh, he told let you? the cat out of the bag a little He told bit. you? Nope. So Yamaha did their photo shoot and Sua wasn't there. Sua's photo shoot photos were from a different track. Ooh. Weird. And when Tomac, before the Supercross series, was saying he wasn't injured and that was all lies... His Kawasaki photoshoot posters were done at a different track to the rest of Kawasaki. Why didn't you bring this up in the first year? It's quite a good insight. In like, call me once, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But um, yeah, so that kind of let me made me believe there was kind of some kind of injury there, and it sounds like it was a lung infection in the off season. So obviously he's in a situation where he's building himself back up, 
trying to get back up to speed and it's going to take time. But considering that, I don't think it was a bad weekend at all. So a little shout out to factory teams. If you're going to pull the wall over our eyes, at least go back to the same place you're going to do a photo shoot. Yep. I like it. I, just, I like it. Because there's no other reason for a rider to do their photo shoot away from everyone else, is there? No. So the reason is they obviously missed it because they were injured slash had an illness in Sewer's case. Cool. But uh, we were talking about Yamaha, Guio, and Pevra. Do you think Guido really comes in? Guido's ready. I know he's ready. He, uh, since, so he was in America uh, the first week in February. Yeah. He returned, and that was kind of a holiday. Uh, he returned to Europe after that, and his plan was basically to go to Red Sand, ride whatever bike he could get, stop, obviously, and just do motos and get ready physically on the bike, all of that, ready for someone to call him. Who else, if they go for a fill-in rider, which I don't think they necessarily will, because if he's only out for two months, that isn't that long. But in a lot of cases, energy drinks demand that um, oh. teams have a certain number of riders on track. It's in the contract. And Monster are now obviously a massive part of that team. Yeah, so they have to have two riders on the track in the next round. I don't think it's at the next round. I'm pretty sure I think it they is. Were, I think they're given some kind of leeway. Really? I think there is like a grace period. Okay. But still, if they've got to call someone, who are they going to call other Ghostbusters. than... Ghostbusters. Who are they going <laughs> to... Oh, wow. Who are they going to call other than Guio? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> don't. Who are they going to call other than Guillo? Like, can, they're not going to bring a Wilvo rider over because then they're in a similar situation. So where else do they look? JWR? No. But Strybos is injured. Yeah, Strybos injured. So, so maybe they bring Brian Iacoff over. But then that only leaves them with Anton Gall. Exactly. And this is how we go back to the Jerry Van, uh, Jeremy Van Horbeek um, situation where if you take that rider out of the team of Pitman Tater, see what happens to SR Honda. So I'm interested to see what happens there. Like I say, I don't necessarily think they have have to have a fill-in rider immediately or think they will but there's a chance and who else are they going to call I'm not going to say that again no but yeah Guio's phone may be ringing it's already rung a few times this off season so it might uh, continue again okay um okay so I mean there isn't outside of Guillo is there any other options I don't think so other than maybe if they try and poach someone from a smaller team Maybe they should, uh, <laughs> after ditching Van Horbeek and making him quite mad, maybe they should give him a call. <laughs> I'm sure that would go down really well. <laughs> wow, he went there. Uh, okay, so... Um, Brian Bogus? You have to scroll a bit, but you'll find his name eventually. Yeah, I'm guessing, I mean, what is his expectations? Do we just give him time? I guess so. But he's had the whole off-season. He has. Um, Probably not the greatest track to come back to um, when you've literally got a bullseye. Give him, give him three rounds. And if it's still the same, then I'd say that's a bit of a worry. But right. It's too early to jump to. Matt, he's got Valkens fired in. Exactly. Know. Three rounds. That's a yeah. good test. And that's a month away. So if yeah. he hasn't improved drastically, like into the top 15 in a month, then he's not getting his contract time to renewed. Start asking questions. It's time to start asking okay. questions. Cold not well, <laughs> he beat Cold enough by two points, and Cold enough recently broke his back. So <laughs> that puts it that <laughs> puts it into perspective for you. You're in, you're in a really supportive mood today, aren't you? No, just putting things into perspective. Okay, but Cold for Cold enough to walk away with seven points, that's a success. Okay, like he is. But it, 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 at the end of the day, it, that, that he's gone there in the mindset of just getting points. Cold enough was cleared by the doctor three weeks ago. But that's the different mindset, hey? Because Coltenhoff was going there thinking, I'm just going to get the points for the championship and yep. for the season, where Bogers is probably 
not got that mindset. To be he's... fair, I wouldn't be surprised if Bogus did just go there to get points because, like Tonus, that's all. We, like, just finish the races. I think, yeah, I've, I, I think we have to put this in perspective. They've been out for a long, long time. But then Bogus did get two GPs in at the end of last season. But then at the last GP, he injured his leg. So where do you go with that? Like, do, what, how do you view that situation? Yeah. Bogus has definitely been in a better position than Tonus. Mm. Although the foot can sometimes be more troublesome than a shoulder. As Well, we, one thing we haven't talked about, and I've tried to bring out twice, speaking of you go feet, on. legs, hurlins. What about him? Well, did you see the Instagram post? What Instagram post? Oh, what is his massive The speech? Instagram post, yeah. The Instagram the post. The Instagram post, because there's a lot to look into that, because it was definitely, that post was definitely mind games with Caroli the weekend. Don't you think? I don't think it was my games with a certain person. I just think it was Jeffrey oh, it being Jeffrey. Yeah, but definitely, definitely hoping to be picked up by Caroli and putting more pressure on him to perform. His scan, is his second uh, checkup is coming up quite quickly. So we're going to find out what's going on there quite soon, I imagine. Yeah. I'm still sceptical about whether he's going to be at Matterley Basin, as I'm sure KTM and him are. But yeah, we'll know more soon, I guess. But I'm still not writing him out for the championship. Writing him off nope. even. No, I, I Writing agree. him out isn't a thing. I agree. But yeah. But Corelli's going to do everything he can to maximize these points while he's away. Yeah. And when I asked Corelli about that, he just said the whole standard, oh, I wish he was here. It's a shame not to be racing him. What's interesting, though, is we look at Corelli and we're saying he's on an incredible level. Without Hurlins there to gauge him against, we don't really know. Like, it's impossible to tell, isn't it? Because yeah. dropping 2018 Hurlins at his best, does this Corelli beat him? I don't, know. I don't think so. But yet, we're all saying Crowley's at the best level he's ever been at, and that ride was phenomenal. Yeah, I guess we got no... No, no it's, it's a difficult one. Okay. Because Hurlins really is the yardstick for that class. Uh, back to Brian Bogers. I thought you said our stick. Yardstick. Okay. Uh, back to uh, Brian Bogers. He said the goal for this weekend was top 15, and he went 16-17. So that's what he was after. Who's close? Is that for 10th overall? Hmm? Is that 10th overall? No. That was a that, terrible That was joke a joke. Well. Oh. No, that was terrible. But he said he was happy with a weekend. And he knows where he is and what he needs to improve. Well, if he's happy, we're happy. Exactly. Good for you him. You should be happy. Good for him. I'm surprised anybody's going to give you a podcast after this one because you've just written everybody off this How week. have I? You have. Name, no one's up to your expectations. Name five riders I've written. Probably Crowley needed to go five seconds faster. No. You happy Cro- with him? Crowley did well. Well, that's one. He gets a pat on the back for a 1-1. One, one. Okay. Anybody else? I just have high expectations of people. Like, I want to see 2017 Geyser. 2017 Geyser in Mexico was unbelievable. Unbelievable. How do we get him back? I don't know. Maybe he's still in Mexico. Did he he clear customs? (laughs) 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 I I just can't stop. I don't know what it is. Every time I think of Geyser now, I just think of his helmet without a peak on. And it just makes me laugh. I don't know why. I'm, I'm just a child. I just want that 2017 geyser back because he was so good. But like, imagine if that geyser goes up against a fully fit Crowley and a fully fit hel- uh, Hurlings. Oh, this is like fancy motocross now. That would be f- phenomenal. Like literally unbelievable. I just want that guy. Same with Fevra. Like imagine if all of them were at their peak. They've kind of all missed each other's windows. And like a, a 2020 Luzardi. Okay, you just keep over there chatting about that and I'll keep talking about this. But yeah, just imagine, like it would be, that's kind of what I'm waiting for, I guess. I just want to see him back to his very, very best. I think we all do. I mean, it'd be great racing. 
But then this is the first step. A 2-2 for Geyser is the first step to get back on that track. Yeah, it's, what Olsen, that. it's what Olsen done in MX2, but you writ Olsen off. If Geyser... This isn't even the same conversation. If Geyser goes 2-2 again at Matterley, that that's consistency. But you're saying 2-2 for Geyser is good. Solid. No, yeah. But a, you said for Olsen... I said it was solid. But you wasn't very excited about it. I just said that I want to see that Saturday speed in a moto. Expectation. I'm so I'm just such a supporter of everyone that I have such high expectations. Everyone okay. deserves a medal and everyone needs to do well. So what did you think of Geordie Tixier the weekend, given expectations? Honestly, I thought he was good. Honestly? Yeah. I saw his name in the results in time practice and I was like, I genuinely have not seen him once this weekend. Really? Yeah. Did not like did not catch my eye once. I've seen him at the FMX show. Okay. That's great insight. Thanks can, for that. Can Thanks we explain to everybody about the Argentinian FMX show? If you want. Well, it was fantastic. You know the riders at local tracks who rev their bikes to a tune? Those people. Uh, the FMX riders were those people. When that happened, I knew we were in for a good show. And when doing their tricks, and when I say tricks, and we're talking like a can-can and a hill clicker. I think I've seen a knick-knack, knack-knack. <laughs> and uh, when they do when they hit the freestyle ramp they land back wheel first like they haven't found a back brake in the air yet that did tickle you didn't it that yeah, did tickle me yeah. and I'm also struggle with back brake in the air but then I also don't claim to be an FMX rider interestingly Tommy Searle had a picture of um, I think it was Tommy Searle it might have been Conway but one of them had a picture oh two exactly of the same people um, one of them had a picture of this like 60 year old dude in a debt chair and then next minute he's hitting a ramp how cool is that? It is a crazy... It's just like... When I'm 60 a, and I'm hitting FMX ramps. You know. It's just another culture, isn't it? It's so crazy to think, like... It's just so crazy. That, that is Argentina motocross scene, FMX yeah. scene. Like, completely different to what we're used to. But then that's part of the cool thing of going to these races. I think that everybody in Europe takes FMX too serious, and they need to take a... You don't want to get me started on FMX. No, I'm not, no, I'm not asking your opinion. But it's I think that... That wouldn't go well. I, 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 I think you should bring the Argentinian FMX team over. Do I, arena cross tour uh, with them. It'd be I, great. Oh, the arena cross tour. Yeah, with those Argentinian guys. You're a fan guys. of that. What's next? <laughs> oh, I shouldn't have brought it up. Um, one rider who really confused me. Yeah. Boutron. Where was he? Did he turn up? <laughs> wow. 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 Oh, he did. He did. He got 2-2. Yeah, that was not yet. 2-2 meaning 1919. <laughs> He was battling with Argentine people. Like, what happened? Like, seriously. Having a conversation. Both seats vanish. Boom. Okay, you just, again, let me do the talking and sit there. Okay, let me ask you a question. Go. Boutron. What did you expect from him this weekend? More than that. First. He, he needs to... <laughs> 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 Good one. Um, he needs to beat Koldenoff when Koldenoff's only got cleared to ride three weeks ago. No. Uh, okay, maybe not, but then he wasn't. I don't know. Well, he I just, beat, he, let's look at this. He beat Holly. <laughs> I'm not sure. I feel like you're setting me up to fail here. No, but, I'm not. And obviously, Luzardi had a fantastic ride. Fact, like, I don't know. And Salazar. I just, every time I looked at him, I was tough, just like. Tough people. Every time I saw him, I was just confused about how far behind the regular MXGP guys he was. But then I guess when you look at the guys who made the trip, like. The three riders ahead of him were Koldenoff, Bogers, and Monticelli. I guess he wouldn't normally beat them, so maybe this is right that he would be that far behind. But I don't know. I was just a bit... I don't know. I just kind of saw him going around. I was a bit... Uh, I think he's looking forward to Matterley. He did win there in MX2. Wow. 
There we go. Look at you go. I know. Did he win the GP? Uh, he was second overall. Oh, look, I tested you there. Yeah. Did look I it. win? Yep. Yes. I was actually, I can remember that um, race quite well, just because I thought, wow. And then, I'll tell you why I remembered it, because I watched him in Lirop. Oh, God, don't bring up this story. No, it was amazing. It was like... Don't, don't. Okay. Don't. No, go ahead if you like. This is you. you I'm gonna let. I'm gonna give you rope. Well, it. Well, it, this is a true story. I'm not well, making I was hoping, this up. I'm hoping you wouldn't spread fake stories on a podcast, no. James. Um, but let, let's just say I don't think he completed a lap of Lirop without falling falling off or over. Um, actually, I did see Clement de Sal, um, fall off on the sighting lap. Okay. Is this a Lirop 2013 race review or yes. just yeah. Argentina 2018? They need to bring that track back. I love it. But Boutron got beaten by Poli in the first race. I feel yeah. like that shouldn't happen. Is that no, not no. is that not the benchmark? Like, yeah, I I don't think he's going to be happy with that. No, like I, I don't know. Maybe, I don't but know. he might be injured. We don't know. No, I didn't get a chance to talk to him. He looked fine in the airport. He did look fine in the airport. Yeah, but yeah, who knows? But I just kind of expected him to be a bit more in the mix with that normal uh, MXGP pack. Well. I think if you put it in perspective, do we expect Boutron to be where Monticelli is? Well, that's what I was saying. Look okay. at the riders ahead of him. Exactly. He wouldn't normally beat them. Yeah. So I think I find that problem when a lesser guy goes to the overseas races, it makes him look very bad because there isn't that filler around the top 20. No. So it looks like that rider is just a lot worse than everyone else in the class. When he, put, he went 1919, put him 1919 at Matali and look at the riders who he'll beat. It'll be a completely different situation. But the other interesting thing about Matali is we've got all the European teams coming in and there's some bloody good riders. Oh, there are some great riders. So, so do we expect Boutron to get 38? <laughs> wow. I'm just saying. Well, look who we're even missing. We're missing Pat Terrell. He's back at Matali. We're missing Bobrashev. He's going to be out for a while. Herlins, who knows? Strybos, back soon. Brylaikov. Brylaikov will be, well, maybe racing at Matali if he clears customs. Furlotti, because we now yeah, know goal. he's doing MXG. I mean, goal. goal should really beat Boutron, but still, he's in that conversation of guys who are going to be added in who are expecting points. Yeah. So it's pretty crazy when you look at it in that way. Bring on Matali. And then we've got Nagel, who's injured. Yep. But then again, who knows when he'll be back. Fevra. You, um, you took me off Fevra before I got to... Actually, no, we did discuss his surgery, didn't we? Oh, so that's got amnesia. Yep. Uh, the jet lag is hitting. Cool. So, um, so Matley's going to be a completely different race because we, we could be easily seeing 40 on the gate and 35 very talented riders. I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, and that goes on to what I was talking about earlier with possibly 14 people coming up next year. So do we actually see in 2020, getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I'm quite yeah, excited about it. Just this. a tiny bit ahead I know, of ourselves. I know, I know, but I want to bring it up because do we see in 2020... 40 excellent riders on the gate and possibly 10 just sat there either on the outside with no team or no rides or do we start to see a support race? Wow. A support just saying. race? Where the hell is a support race? I'm just from? saying. Because at some point we're, we're going to be overloaded in MXGP with riders. And that would just be the situation. The idea is that it's the cream of the crop and whenever there's an influx of new guys they get filtered out by the cream of the crop. Yeah. So. That's just the way it will go. I'm guessing that this is, this is what's going to happen every year now. 
Yeah, and, but when you look at it, what who got filtered out this year? No one. Strybos, it looked like he was going to well, get filtered still out. Well, Guillo's still at Yeah, but he's ready for the GPS Spain. There isn't one but this I'm, year, but I'm, he's ready. <laughs> but I'm just saying that there's quality riders. You've got Marshall Welton, who had to go back to America. It makes you wonder, though, doesn't it? Because, like, Van Horbeck very easily could have been in the same situation well, as well, Guillo. He, he said it He said in, in a podcast two weeks before he had no ride. He wasn't riding MHGP. Wait, you said you didn't listen to the podcast. I listened to that bit. <laughs> I'm so confused. But yeah, that's my point though. Like, so maybe... No, actually, I listened to the, the press press conference because I had to record it for you. Oh, and you haven't sent me those recordings yet, by the way. Well, I didn't need them. Um, anyway, like, so if Van Horbeek made this thing happen, is there a way that Guillaume could have made this thing happen? I think so. It depends on, I guess, how much support people have. Like, I, I do know that Kevin Strybos did have an option with Suzuki um, for this year. Yeah, but that was just, that wasn't... But what I'm saying is he went out and tried to find a deal. But we know that Guido got off, was talking to some smaller teams, don't we? And didn't really back keen. But then wasn't that for an EMX 250 ride, actually? Yeah, and before... Was, yeah, before the age rule. Yeah. But he stood, and fair play for not wanting to go down to EMX 250. Yeah. Because he's above that. Yeah. Cool. So um, on that note, I think we are done. Do you not want to talk MX manager? Uh, well, not really. Cause Have you I not had... got questions from Spenny? No. No. I, I don't want to talk about MX Manager because I didn't do very well. You, I, I just, okay, so basically, MX Manager this year, I was fed up of the team and manufacturer, everyone going with KTM. So I made them a certain price so that everyone wouldn't choose KTM and Red Bull KTM. I explained to James, this is why I'm changing the price. The fact is, no one is going to want to do it. So then James turns around to me in Argentina and says, look at my team. And he picks KTM and Red Bull KTM. I think everybody's bored of MX Manager now. I think everybody should possibly give up from 900 onwards and then make it a little bit more interesting for me. But yeah, good news is we have got some big prizes coming. We learned at a weekend. But, uh, uh, I don't know. Do you call it big prizes? Certainly a Paul Ann signed helmet. In a... I didn't think we were allowed to say. Oh, are we not? Oh, we, I think we can, can't we? There are some cracking prizes. It turns out that we learned two things in Argentina. I one, don't know. I don't listen to anything. One, a lot of people are playing MX Manager. So, and two, this podcast, which we're starting off slow and building ourselves up, a lot of people have already listened to it. So this whole starting off slow thing is kind of not really working out because it's a, we've come in kind of... Who's listened to it? Riders and teams. Did you not get stopped by riders and teams? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, they're just complaining about you. That's what I mean, though. Like a lot of people, it turns out a lot of people are listening to this and judging. Yeah. Well. Hi to everyone, and you all did great. Yeah, and you can see you in Matterley. <laughs> Looks like I'm going to have a few meetings at Matterley because you just wrote off half the half the. I field. don't. I don't know why you're saying that. Oh, he's crap. He didn't do very well. Who did I say that about? Loads. Name one. Uh, so, uh, oh, we didn't even mention exactly. How is you're he's the gonna host? Be, he's going to be pissed. Pessoa. It's quietly quite good, but and this Gustavo isn't surprising. Pessoa. Because even in Lockett uh, last year, his first race, he was around 15. That's good for him, and that's what he did in Argentina. So good for him. Yeah. Interested to see what happens when he gets to Volkswagen. He looked good the weekend, by the way. That's kind of what I just said. Yeah. Reinforcing that. My opinion matters. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I haven't... I've just given some constructive opinions on quite a few guys. I don't think there's anyone we're missing in MXGP now, is there? Um, nah. I think everybody's bored of that anyway. Let's go to spending. Yeah, Max, five, show, 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 show. This podcast is brought to you by 24MX, Europe's biggest online motorcross store. 
There are hundreds of your favorite brands at discounted prices, so head over to 24mx.com to shop now. BMX for I'm excited about this. Spenny's questions. Do you know why I'm excited? Why? I've not read them. Okay. Are you ready? Yep. I'm going an- to ask the questions you've got to answer. That seems to be a common theme with this. You, wow. just, you just basically give me enough rope to hang myself. I know. It's and then brilliant. watch me do it. It's brilliant. Yeah. Okay, you re- ready for one? Yep. Okay, question one. What happened to Tutu's bike in the qualifying race? To Tutu's? Two, two, twos. Oh, two, two, twos. Yeah. It's not Chad Reed. That's why I was, I was just baffled for a second. I was thinking Strybos wasn't there, so his bike didn't do yeah. much. What happened? Stop, stop wasting time. What happened <laughs> to Brody's bike trying to be all PC? Come on. Um, I don't actually know. All I know is that something happened before the start line. So he felt it on the gate and knew it wasn't going to last. Yeah. Hence his terrible start. Yep. And hence why he made it four laps. I think the PC answer is an electrical issue, but I'm not sure that would be evident okay. from before the gate drop. ECU? Would that fall under electrical issues? I don't know. I'm not the most mechanically minded person. No. Okay. We won't make shit up, but it's, it's maybe something like that. Okay. Number two. Why isn't Prado running a number one? Oh, I know. Uh, yeah. oh, wait, wait, wait. This question was from Tomo at CJT23. I don't know if that's an IR one, but he needs to get a new name. This is quite, I feel like this is quite cool of Prado. So Prado is like straight up admitted that even though he won the MX2 world title, he isn't number one because that isn't, he isn't, he's a world champion, but he isn't the top of the sport yet. He doesn't deserve, he doesn't believe that he actually deserves number one plate yet. He believes that the number one rider is hurling. So why would, so in Prado's mind, he's like, why would I run the number one plate? Really? He, he will only run the number one plate if he becomes MXGP world champion because he doesn't believe as MX2 world champion that he deserves number one because wow. he's in a lesser class. I think that's quite a cool like, outlook for a rider. Quite disrespectful to Paul's Jonas. Oh, wow. It just, see, you say I'm the one who's like... That was a joke. Okay. That but, was a joke. Anyway, let's move on to three. Cool. Very good. Very good answer. Oh, thank you. Good question. Um, which rider deserves the best award? Oh, sorry. Best ride award from this weekend. Evans or Jerryman? Question from Pat Stott. At Pat Strana. We're with a, a four, five, nine in between. We're running a poll on MX Vice at the moment for most impressive, no, big, um, biggest surprise. And okay. I genuinely thought Van Horbeck was going to smash it. Like, I almost didn't put the poll up because I was like, what's the point? I'd done this poll as well and I voted Vial. <laughs> wow. Okay. But uh, yeah, I, put, I almost didn't put this poll up because I just thought everyone would vote Van Horbeck. But it actually turns out Evans is like winning by quite a way. We're talking like 28%. I feel like I knew too much about Evans going in. Where not where I expected a podium, but it wasn't that surprising to me. Whereas Van Horbeek, I didn't know what his bike situation was, how motivated he was, where his training was, or anything. So, uh, to me, Van Horbeek was most impressive, deserved ride of the weekend or whatever award. So, Van Horbeek, uh, final answer. Cool. Which GP rider has the most natural talent and which works the hardest? So, like, I feel like you should have prepared me for this question. Come on, whatever. You, you must know. What, there must be names which are coming in, into your head. Uh, well, Herlin's worked insanely hard last year. Literally, okay. like, bordering on the line of insanity how hard he worked. Okay. So he'd probably fall into that category. Naturally talented. It's easy to say Herlin's again, isn't it? But I guess you'd go Prado. Yeah. 
just for the way he looks on a bike. Crowley, obviously, quite naturally talented. But then I think his comes from a mixture of hard work and that. Yeah. So I think I'd go Prado. But I Hurling's think... definitely his hard work. Kind of boring answer. But yeah, what do you want it. from me? I don't know. Maybe more. I feel like you want other riders. More. Yeah. <laughs> okay, anyway, last question. Obviously the most important one. As you know, I position myself firmly behind Tommy. And I'm very concerned that little Tommy may have an injury after hitting neutral Moto2. Can I have Tommy's mobile number so I can offer my assistance in his recovery? Whilst I was uh, tweeting the second race, I noticed that every fan on it that we follow was started tweeting like, what the hell, Tommy? Oh, my God. And I didn't see what happened. And I was really confused because he didn't really lose any like track position or time or anything. Like even his lap time wasn't that much slower. So I had no idea what was happening. And then I finally saw the uh, footage last night. I haven't seen the footage. And little Tommy is not going to lie. From the amount of tweets I saw, bigging it up, I was expecting something bigger. Yeah. What? <laughs> that sounds very rude. Do you, do you, do you get it? Yeah, I'm just not uh, sure where to go from here because you've just put me in the worst position ever. Cut <laughs> that bit out. Uh, no, keep that one in, Rob. No, because just I thought in my head in pit lane, I thought something horrific had happened. But it, it, it was if it's his balls. To be fair, it was quite a. It could have been really bad. He basically hit neutral or a hole uh, yeah. in the straight before pit, um, straight before the finish line. Okay, and like got thrusted over the bars. Okay. So yeah, that's what happened. But he held, kept it upright, kept going, and <laughs> uh, finished uh, seventh. Good work, Tommy, on keeping it upright. Good one, right? Good one, good one. Um, so that's it. I'm done. Are you? Yeah. So I'm, you don't want to talk MX manager? No. Don't want to talk British championship? No. Okay. I don't care about the British Championship. I don't care about MX Manager. What? what? I don't think you're allowed to say that. Well, why not? I care about the British Championship and I care about you MX Manager. You told me Manager. to be honest on this show. So if anyone wants to actually talk about that stuff, tweet me or message me because I've got a lot to say. Okay, let's do five minutes on... What, what do you want to do? British Championship? I'm not sure I care right, about that. Right, it's at Fat Cats <laughs> this weekend. It's never promoted. Um, don't, it might don't be do on. This. Who knows? Don't do this. What? Actually, go ahead. I'll give you the rope. No, I'm just, just is, it, is it on? Have you seen an advertisement online? Uh, seen an advertisement anywhere? I saw a poster online. That's cool. It's nice. Yep. Yep. Is there any trade vans there? No. I, I'm not there yet, so I can't comment on that. I don't know. I, I'll tell you. Maybe one. But uh, obviously, there was a big debate about whether James was going to go to Argentina. Big trip. Uh, this weekend, he claims he's going to Fat Cat. There's probably less odds that he turns up at Fat well, Cat than there were in Argentina. I don't, I don't think I'm on my own. I think there's a lot of people out there that's pissed off with the series. Okay, um, you, what? just let me talk about the British for a minute then, because <laughs> clearly we've got your opinion. Okay. I think this year's going to be quite good, purely because MX2 with Vassen, Muse, Usland, mm. and Walsh is going to be incredible. Like Those four riders are quite close in speed. All four riders kind of need the boost of winning the British Championship. Yep. All four riders have quite good style, quite exciting to watch. So I'm quite excited for that battle. And then Tommy Simpson is going to be very good. Cool. I'm looking forward to seeing Tony Craig. And uh, the big funny thing is, the last time that Tommy and Simpson battled in the British... I'm just completely ignoring what you just said. Uh, the funny thing is, the last time that Tommy and Simpson battled in the British Championship, which was 2017? Was it 16? What year did uh, 2016? Yeah, 2016, sorry. Uh, on the start line at the opening round, that was the first time, not the first time, sorry, that was the last time 
that I had goosebumps at the start of a British Championship race because I was stood on the hill looking at the start line, looking at them two sat side by side and was like, I genuinely don't know what's going to happen here. And I feel like I'm going to have similar feelings this weekend. Actually, I'll get involved. Oh, good of you, because I thought this was a one-man band for a second. No, I'm actually looking forward to seeing Mel Pocock on 450. I've seen him at Hawkstone. I think he's got really good potential this year on a 450. And I know he does. He, he likes fat. Well, I don't know if he likes fat cats, but he does do well at fat cats. Um, that's going to be good to watch. So I might actually just go to watch Mel Pocock. Who wins MX2 out of those four riders I mentioned? Who are we talking about? Muse, Usland, Basson, and Walsh. Muse. I wouldn't have been... Muse, Muse all day long. I wouldn't have been so com- confident about Muse before Argentina, but he clearly had that group covered. So yeah, I agree with Muse. Yeah, and given how he rides in sand. Yeah. Yeah, but then Basson isn't exactly a slouch in the sand either. No, but I don't... I, I think... I'm waiting for... I said it in a preview thing, and I'll continue. I'm waiting for Basson. I believe there's something there. Yeah, I, I, think, I think Muse wins by 20 seconds. Wow. I'll put that one out. I think it'll be. I don't think. I don't think any rider wins both motos. No. No. Okay. I wouldn't be surprised to see Muse go two one, but I think someone else wins a moto. So let's talk about Tony Craig. So Tony Craig is a journeyman Scott Scottish person. Uh, Scotsman is the Scot- word you're looking thank for. Thank you, Scott. Yes, whatever. And uh, I just want to give him a shout out because uh, he, he's somebody I've watched for you know, I don't know, six years, and the guy travels everywhere. And he's got new support and everything else. So I'm actually going to try and support him. James is big on this. I am. Screw every other rider in the British Championship. James is all about this. Do you know why? Because every time I see him, he's super polite, always asks me how I am, how's the family, how, you know, everything else. I ask you how you are and you still you treat me like a dick. About me. <laughs> <laughs> but that's because you're really unkind to me. You're never nice to me. Oh. But anyway, let's go back to Tony Craig. So I'm actually looking forward to going and watch Tony Craig this weekend. I'm okay. definitely going to try and find a way of supporting him. Okay, let's just have a quick team strategy meeting. You focus on that. Yeah. Great work. Yep. And I'll try and cover every the 39 other riders and the battle for the win. Okay. And yeah. But yeah, we'll, uh, although MX Manager isn't running for the British Championship. Do you know what I think? I, I'm just going to say it. Those riders out there are giving absolutely oh, everything. Wow. And all I'm going to say is, have they got a championship which you know, is as good as the riders what are, are went. Really? Yeah. You're going to go there? Yeah, I'm going to go there. We're jet lagged. It's been three hours. I'm emotional. And you're, and you're bringing that up. This every time. time I think of the British Championship, I just get emotional because um, it could be very, very good. Do you want me to hand you a stepladder to get out of that hole you're digging? No. Do you just want to lay in your hole? No, I don't care anymore. <laughs> I don't know what to say to that. No. I, I feel I'm, like this... No, but I feel like it's only as good as the quality of riders. That makes it... No, no way. Last year... The rounds that Tommy wasn't at. All right, let, let's break this down, right? You were talking about last week's show, right? You think that the MXGP should have some sort of... Open ceremony. Open ceremony. Yeah, ceremony, I think it'd yeah. be quite an exciting thing. Yeah. Tell me what they do at the British Championship. Aha! Oh, no, you almost got me there. I did an article about this in 2013, and the ACU emailed you complaining about me. But the problem was, this is 2013, so I'm not talking about now, so no one shout. So me. what have they done in but six But 2013, years? what I said was it was a final round and one of the championships was going down to the wire. And in the break between practice and Moto 1, I was sat in my car alone with, where there was absolutely no buzz and they were playing one direction over the speakers. And I was just looking around like, is this really the final? Oh, and... Uh, after the final podium, they played We Are The Champions. And, uh, oh, no, no, I've, I can and beat the that. ACU took the mic and said, We Are The Champions. 
No, I can beat <laughs> Literally, that. Literally, uh, this was 2013, so this was like my first year working for MX Vice. God knows how old I was, but I was laughing a Do lot. Do you know what? I think you made a mistake. What? By saying that, that? It was Tina Turner, Simply the Best. No, that was it. Simply the Best. Sorry. Exactly. And he, they picked up the vocabulary. And they said, we and said, are Simply the Best. Yeah. Yeah. That was funny. I did laugh. Yeah. I got also shouted out for that. Yeah. But I think, like, it's only as good as the riders you get. Like, it's not, though. Having Tommy and Simpson is exciting. That's G- bring Max into the series and it suddenly gets something as well. Like, yeah. bring Tommy into the series, it suddenly gets something. Add in Simpson, something. Take Simpson away. Tommy was always going to be here. Tommy was there last year. Take Simpson away. Tommy dominates. That then loses something. Add Simpson in, gives it a battle. Then the series can survive on the racing. Take when the racing's terrible because there's injuries and whatnot, the series. And the series can't rely on the racing to get it exposure. It struggles. But when it can live off of the racing, it suddenly has something to give it a little bit extra. So this is my thought process. Okay. Oh, and, no. and we're talking about the racing. Who did it, what riders do they get to encourage to come into the series? None. No. They don't support teams. But why would they? But then, to be fair, how much encouragement is it going to... like? If they try and encourage Hurlins to get to the British Championship, the only way is if they add like 17 zeros onto a check. And I don't even think that would be enough. No, well, it's not going to be enough for that because there's, there's going to be no benefit to him going to that series. But what I'm saying is that there's probably um, a multitude of people that they could bring in. I mean, they're struggling to get 30 on the line. I mean, that, that's something to do with British motocross at the moment and, and, and not much support oh, out there. Do I say what I'm going to say? Do it. At Ling. I think we just Ling, pretty much just blew this open. No, anyway. you have. I've, I'm actually being nice. Uh, remember, people, uh, people who are going to send angry emails, the name you're looking for is James. Uh, Lewis is the one you want to give a pat on the back to, and I also take free burgers from the burger van this weekend. Would there be one, though? I hope so, because otherwise I'm going to die of starvation. But anyway, the Did thing you, I was going to say, okay. ha-ha, yeah. um, at Ling, <laughs> the second round of the British Championship, there's going to be a WMX class. <laughs> oh, will there, there be, 40... will there be more than five riders on the line? Would this... <laughs> oh, it is funny. We are having fun. Um, no, but seriously, like the racing is going to be good enough this year for it to survive. Okay. Like, um, where was the first round last year? Uh, Ling, last year. Without Tommy there, Tommy brings, like other GP riders, brings this energy. Like, yeah. It's like, wow, that's a GP rider. Yeah. That is enough to give the series something. And it, like, we can even see it through MX Vice. That gives interest. Yeah. So people will be interested this weekend purely because of the Tommy Simpson battle. If Tommy Simpson both get injured, Harry Coolis, he doesn't attract, he's not a draw like Tommy and Simpson are. Okay. Take Tommy and Simpson out, say they both get injured before round two, no one will be asking for tweets. Not because, and that, and that opinion isn't based on whether they like the British Championship or not, it's based on who's doing it. That is basically what the series thrives on. Now, Saying that, last year, I thought this would be enough to give it a kick up the arse because they had Bobrashev, Tommy, and whoever else. Muse was back. It was a bit meh. It was yeah. a bit wishy-washy. But then also with Tommy missing the first round, Bobrashev being a bit crash-happy, it kind of, the championship fight wasn't there. So, I agree. They need the riders to, to take this series forward. But unless they're willing to invest uh, in the British uh, championship, they're never going to get that. The other thing as well is how is this next generation of riders going to come through um, to be the next Ben Watson, Tommy Searle? Uh, so oh, on. I have the answer to that one. Uh, they go to Holland. Uh, yes, correct. Um, but what about, this is a crazy scenario. We've got the British Youth Championship 
who are supposed to be the elite riders, yeah? So back in the day, you would do the BSMA finals. I'm guessing that the BYC is, uh, you know, the, the equivalent. So the best of the best ride in this series, yeah. okay? They go to the Junior World Cup and, and so on. And so forth. And so forth, thank you. <laughs> so what I'm saying is, why are those, how are those riders supposed to get any better? How are, how are the British teams supposed to find out who the next generation of riders who they can bring in and support. They don't. There's, there's no connection anymore in British, in British motocross. They need to bring that BYC championship in, and they need to run it on the same weekend as the Maxis. Okay, yeah, I agree. That will improve British motocross. But as far as there aren't going to be more fans interested because the fans are going to see the big names. I agree. So that fixes, on one hand, that fixes the lower end issue with Euphanat, but this higher-end issue of people caring about the British Championship, that isn't going to fix that. Right. Why do people go to, why, why do people go to Hawksdale? Tommy Turrell the International? Brought, uh, yeah. Simple. Uh, well, a big draw of that is new season, new bikes, new gear, all of that. Take out the top, top riders, it's, no one goes. They go for the riders. There's a reason why Hawkstone are paying Hurling so much money each year, because they know that works. It's like we were saying, take Anstey, Tommy, Simpson out of Hawkstone and say it was Monticelli... Nargle and Jazzacone is battling for the MX1 win. Go and see how that goes with the crowd. So I bet not well. No. So there's 10,000 people out there watching Hawkstone. Yep. Yeah. Uh, why do we only get 500 turn out to a British Championship? It's a fair point. But because there's 10,000 people who are willing to spend 30 pounds. Ha- does have the appeal of it being the first race of the year. And there are more of these Tommy Simpson type riders there. Like I say, add Max into the British Championship. That's another boost. Okay, I've got another thing for you. Okay. Yeah? Throw it at me. Okay. And this is what Tommy said in the podcast, which if have you listened to the podcast? No, because I've got my own. Okay, right. Well, you'll learn something here. Um, one thing, those kids who are racing don't want to go and watch a Jeep. If, they, if their dad said to them, do you want to go and race or do you want to watch a British Championship? That's our race. So we've got 240 riders at a BYC who would rather be racing than going to watch the British Championship. If you bring those 240 riders in to the same weekend as the British Championship, you've got 240 riders watching straight away. Then you've got their parents. Yes, but how? that's what I'm saying fake is, numbers. It doesn't matter. What I'm saying is there's 700 people, uh, potentially 750 people, watching those riders. I mean, that's just doubled the attendance straight away. Okay, if, you give it, if you're going off of that theory, Steve Dixon could send every single motocross rider in the country a free ticket and he'll have 500 million people at Matterley. And then the attendance figures look amazing and he can shout and scream. Like, but the difference is, is that won't, it's two different things. The, the infrastructure would already be in the British Championship to, to, for those toilets, for those 240 people. And so on. Well, think about it. When you're running an event, you've got to make sure there's enough toilets for the, for, you know, for the ratio of the people. Um, so I understand your analogy, but you're wrong. Um, what I'm saying is Makes that... Makes a change for me to be wrong for a change. <laughs> I'm very passionate about this. I'm sure you can tell. Yeah, because you're just barking up the wrong tree completely. I'm not barking up the wrong tree. Uh, all, all I'm saying is that there's... If, if people work together in this bloody country... It, I know this is not supposed to be a British podcast. This is for another day. But what I'm saying is there's a, there's a clear path here to, to make things good. Yeah, make things good for the youth to develop the riders. That isn't the conversation we're having. We're talking about how the British Championship can be considered an elite national championship the dutch championship that all of us rave about more british people ask me as mx vice for results and updates from the dutch championship well we know that we see the, the stats yeah the stats dutch masters right has 
five times more views right. than the British Championship. Okay, thank you. Do you think that's because they include youth riders? No, it's because of the elite riders doing it. And, and well, interestingly, if you look at the nationalities or location behind uh, the people who look at the Dutch Masters, there is literally a f- over a fifth of those people are English because they're interested in what the English riders have done within exactly. the... Exactly. And it's because and it's, it's GP it's, riders. Yeah, but it's also because it's got um, some English youth riders. Like, I don't think so. I think, I think we're both right, but we're both shouting about completely different issues. Yeah. No, I agree. But I agree. I'm shouting about the issue that we started talking about, and you've somehow brought a new issue into this. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah I'm deeply passionate about this. But anyway, so we both agree, though, that you bring the riders in, you're going to get a good the championship. professional MXGP riders, yeah. Yeah. And that's only going to help the rest of the British riders because they're going to be competing against more GP riders. Like, think about it. Uh, what year was it? 2017? The year that Irwin won the title, no disrespect, but he was battling with Krestinov. There was no interest that year at all. Like, because of injuries, because Tommy uh, Nichols got injured, like, that was a low for the series in all aspects, purely because the riders weren't there. Because, again, no disrespect, no one is going to this series to watch and cheer for Krestinov. That's not happening. So they can't rely on riders like that. They need... That's why I'm sure when they see that RFX KTM have signed Simpson and he's going to be doing the British Championship, they're rubbing their hands together and thinking they've had a bit of a breakthrough because that's what they need. But also, they can do more in there, from their angle on the promotion and activation at the event and making it feel more professional because it does feel like a club race. Yeah. But I think, as I was saying, I don't think... I think they know as well. I say they can rely on the riders and the battles on track if they're good. I think they know that. Yeah. And maybe that's why we don't see the improvements away from the track. Okay. Because they know but no matter how many posters they stick up, they know the hardcore fans who are listening to this know that Tommy and Simpson will be battling at Fat Cat this weekend. And that's what they're going to go and watch. Yeah. So they're like, oh, well, screw it. That'll be enough for us. Let's just go and have a cup of tea because we're British. Like, that is what... They're wrong with tea. I hate tea. But that is what I'm talking about. Like, that is what I'm talking about. I can't really remember what I'm talking about, but that is what I'm talking about. Yeah, we went so sideways that in, on that one. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. Big smoke. Stick that in your pipe and look at it. Okay, cool. Uh, I think on that uh, note, we should probably call it a day because uh, we've just literally threw everybody under the bus. No, we haven't. I stand by that. If you listen to this and think I've thrown you under the bus, then uh, I haven't. You're still standing. The bus travelled alongside you at normal speed and didn't, get, didn't hit you at all. And I expect to see great stuff at Matterley from everyone who's going to put on a great show. Good work. You'll get a participation ribbon from me. And I cannot wait to see some great work this weekend at Fat Cats. You're not going to turn up. I am. You're not going to turn up. I am. You're not going to turn up. I am. Literally, there was more. I was worried about you going to Argentina. There was so much more chance of you going to Argentina than Fat Cat. I'm going to see Tony Craig. It's funny because Tony Craig probably doesn't want to see you. I bet he does. I bet Tony Craig listens to this and is like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note, I think that's it. I think I'm done. Well, you have got that one-minute drive back to home, haven't you? Yeah. Well, good luck with your three hours tosser. Bye. Is that you're ending it on that abrupt <laughs> note? <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's, there is that's one, probably a little bit harsh. Yeah, there you're is one nice thing tosser. I'd like to add. Yeah. Uh, obviously, this week, the podcast is quite late or yeah. later than well, originally really planned. God knows what the time is now. Because we, um, we landed from Argentina on Tuesday night, which means we had to record it Wednesday, which means it won't be archived until Thursday morning. Typically. 
now that we don't have any flyaways to Poor mess Rob's up. got at it. Now that we don't have any flyaways to mess up the schedule, rest in peace, Shanghai, until September. Yeah. We'll be uh, back into the structure, which structure? Structure. structure. I Did I, you... I miss the yard? Structure. I don't know what you're doing. Then uh, the show will be recorded Tuesdays. And once we finally go live, which is the plan, like, this isn't it. Yeah. Like, the phone system to get people to call in will be soon. The phone system to get riders on as guests this live This is kind of like soon. the third pilot show. We're just building up. Yeah. This is just the beginning. Yeah. As the ACU once sang, we will be simply the best. That was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> I'm, I'm now getting emailed. Uh, uh, yeah. But okay. So uh, when you send that email, as well as James, you're going to want to, you're going to want to include the name Lewis in there now. <laughs> I hope you've got that saved as a shaft. <laughs> um, no, but I'm not, I'm joking. This will never yeah. be the best, but eventually we're building up to calls from people. It will be live on a Tuesday, archived on Wednesday morning. I like that. Uh, and we're going to have guests on live over the phone. Also, people coming in. I think next week we're going to have a guest in here. Yep. Do we say who it is? Uh, just in case. No, that's not just no, in case they don't turn up. No. Because they're this person very... is known for maybe not being on time. For they're, and that they're very busy at the moment with planning. Yeah. But yeah. So wheels are moving. This is yep. going to progress. We need your feedback as normal. Yeah. Uh, we will get better. Things are happening. It can't get worse. Things are happening. Like this podcast has kind of got growing some legs where things are happening that means we have to get better because <laughs> if we don't get better then we're really screwed yeah but and yeah. we'd like to thank all 23 of you who have listened uh to the podcast so far but genuinely i do genuinely like every single person who listens like i, I love nothing more than tweet like talking to people about yeah. motocross not because i have to or anything but just because that's kind of why i do my job so no nah, that's cool we I appreciate like, the tweets we appreciate the support i like and... everything and just give us time and yeah. hopefully Hopefully you see progress and what you want. Yeah. So on next week's show, what are we talking about? Uh, I don't think there's going to be a next week's show because I think we might get shut down. True. Okay, we might be back next week. If we're back next week, then we will be probably talking. We'll be celebrating that we made it through this one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just be talking. <laughs> no, we'll have lots to discuss. Fat Cat. Yep. Oh, yeah, Fat Cat. Uh, but do we want to talk about Fat Cat? I don't know. Okay. I was, I was thinking maybe. We'll do five minutes on Fat Cat. Okay. And then I was going to talk, well, I wanted to talk about British GP. Well, that's, there's another week between that and the British GP. But... I'm excited. Okay. No, we've got lots to talk about. Cool. You cut me off on about 17 of my opinions this show, so I've got more to share. Yeah. Well, we don't want to lose any more listeners. Okay. Is that it? Yep, that's it. You better bugger off back to Brighton. Uh, Worthing, but close enough. Whatever. Same place. Okay. All right. See ya. See you later. Bye. For everything in the world of motocross, head to mxvice.com at Motocross Vice on Twitter and search MX Vice on Instagram, YouTube and Facebook. All content is now available in Spanish and Italian. The MX Vice Show. show, 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 show.